Hello and welcome to Devour the Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, well done for yet another month. You have decided to come join us, the collective group known as Devour the Podcast. I am Bo Ransdell. Uh, with me, as always, uh, Jamie J. Sammons. Jamie, how the hell are you? Hello, I am doing very well. Excited to be here, as always. Excellent. And uh, our newest member, and and yet somehow it seems like she's been here all along, uh, Vanessa <laughs> McHenry. How are you, ma'am? <laughs> Oh, I'm just dandy. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly asleep and deprived and <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um so we are uh back. It, this is the uh what is it? August episode. That's the month yes. we're in. And uh and that's pretty cool. So, uh yeah, we've got one more episode left before our our big slam bang October episode, the Halloween episode, which we are not revealing just yet, but is going to be, I think, the certainly the most ambitious episode of the show uh, we've ever done. And and Jesus I, Christ of Latter Day Saints is a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but I think it's going to be really cool. Um, as I've been doing the work on my end for it, I've been genuinely excited about the potential for this thing so um at any rate enough of that that's a a little tease a naughty little tease for the audience but let's uh let's kick off the show with uh zibang um we have a ranking right off the bat uh abraham gave us one and i gotta say abraham did the last two so we're gonna skip him for the time being but uh just uh for you know purposes of acknowledgement thanks very much abraham for for giving us two ranks uh you know if uh uh you you know come back next month and and do it again but in this case abraham is badass yes he is he Uh, won the uh prize pack for abc's like he's a he's a very good listener is what i'm trying to say (laughs) he's a righteous (laughs) dude <laughs> he, he's a righteous dude. <laughs> oh my god, that was so very Mrs. Poole. It's pretty good. <laughs> Even though it wasn't the Mrs. Poole character, Edie McClurg is always Mrs. Poole to me. <laughs> Absolutely. What is Mrs. Poole from? The Hogan family. Oh, okay, that's why I don't know it. Um <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh we're going to do a ranking from one John Rhodes who will be uh in fact our guest for the Halloween episode. We know that much already. And John asks us, how would you rank the original Universal Monster films? Uh I have for my list of original uh Universal Monster films, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, 
The Phantom of the Opera, Bram Stoker's Dracula, not the, you know, uh, Coppola one, obviously. Uh, Fra- <laughs> Frankenstein, The Mummy, and The Invisible Man. Uh, also, The Wolfman. Let's throw that in there. I'm sorry. So it, it is Hunchback of Notre Dame, Phantom of the Opera, Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, Invisible Man, Wolfman. Those seven films. How oh would we rank those? Let's start with Jamie. Oh, shit, man. Give them to me again. <laughs> it's, yeah, Dra- right. I was right. trying to write them down. Uh, all right, I'll tell you what. We're, uh, we're going to make this easier. Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, Invisible Man, Wolfman, Black Lagoon. We're going to go with those six. Okay, see, that's what oh, I would hold do. On. That's, hold on. I know, Dracula, I know that's changing it. Dracula, Frankenstein, Frankenstein, the Mummy. Mummy, Invisible Man. Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would do. Ah, um, was kinda... Those are all the ones who are on my wall right now, anyway. All right. Except well... for, I've also got Bride, but that's, I guess, the sequel, so. Right. Yeah. That's, we're talking OG Frank, okay. Frankenstein. Ooh. So, well. yeah. So, let's hear it, Jamie. You got, you got your classics. Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, Invisible Man, Wolfman, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Four, five, six, Okay. Um, let's see. From least favorite to favorite, I guess. Um, I'll go Dracula. Uh-huh. Um, by far the most... Uh, I mean, that is that is an easy choice for me to be at the bottom. And it's not that I don't love Bela, but, it, you know, just... Yeah. Well, I think we've actually discussed that film on this show we, before. We have indeed, as well as Senior Dracula. <laughs> right. Okay, so I would go Dracula, the Mummy, then ooh, then it gets really hard. Um, then it would go Frankenstein, Wolfman, Invisible Man, Creature from the Black Lagoon. I okay. fucking love the Invisible Man. Body count is in that film is outrageous. I mean, it is it's dark. All right, so yeah. Uh, all right, Vanessa, let, let's hear your your ranking of classic Universal monster films. Okay, um, the bottom for me is going to be the Mummy, and I and I rewatched these like I guess uh, last October, whatever, on beautiful Blu-ray and everything, and I've seen a few of these recently, like the past couple years on the big screen. And so, like, I, and, you know, I grew up on these and, and just seeing them, though, as an adult and, and I, there had been a big gap in between really, like, watching them. And so, yeah, Mummy, I forgot how boring that movie is, really. <laughs> so that's at the bottom of my list. Sure. Um, Black Lagoon? I'm, I don't know. It still doesn't do much for me. But it does have some neat underwater stuff going on and wolfman and dracula and the reason i rank dracula so high is it's partly sentimental reasons and as far as where it stands is me becoming a horror fan and when i saw it as a child and even though performance wise 
technical wise, there are better actors than Bella Lugosi out there who have played Dracula. There's still something so iconic about that and the way it's infiltrated popular culture. And, um, but number two, Invisible Man, and number one, Frankenstein. I'm sorry, James Whale is a franking. He's a franking genius. <laughs> he's a franking genius. And yeah. I mean, Bride of Frankenstein, I would put above Frankenstein. Oh, a hundred percent. And yeah. I recently saw Frankenstein on the big screen, and uh, that is something to behold as a masterpiece. Just, and you can tell the influence of theater and some of the way he directed, but, and you're right about, you can see with the invisible man, it, he has this, he has this whole sense between Frankenstein and invisible man of being the outsider. And I don't think it's just because he's queer, but just being an artist, you know, and growing up in fighting a war. The, I mean, when you know different things about Whale himself, you can see how it he injected that in his films. Well, that's a very fancy pants answer. Um, Sorry. No, <laughs> yes, no, no. Maybe went on a little too long. No, no, no. I, I like it. Um, so, all right. Let's... I, I, I think that's respectable. Um... I'm okay. You don't hate me too much. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, no more than before. Um, no, I, I'm kidding. Kidding. Uh, let's see. I like. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, yeah, I think Dracula is the bottom of the list for me, which seems strange, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know that that movie holds up as well as the others. Um, all right, so let's go Dracula at the bottom. Um, Mummy, Invisible Man, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Black Lagoon is mine. Okay. Yeah, I, I, the creature from the Black Lagoon for me, it's, it, I love that movie. I know that in... From an objective point of view, there are better made films on that list. But in terms of just the movie that kind of captures my imagination, Black. I don't know, man. I I love Creature. I mean, it you know it made the top of my list too. It's part of that is because of the influence that it has had. You can watch that film, and you can see where Spielberg was directly influenced by that film when he made Jaws. There is no question in my mind. And um, we've, uh, let's see, we did a review of that on the Skeleton Crew. And I said then, like, I don't think I've ever heard a documentary mention it. I've never seen it written anywhere. I've, you know, no one's ever said that. But I think it's impossible to watch that film if you watch it and, you know, look for these things and not see the similarities or at least the, the like some of the camera shots are just directly taken from well, creature, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah also, definitely. if you look at the sequel <laughs> to creature, you can make one-to-one comparisons between that and jaws three. <laughs> now I know that's just like a, that's all kinds of silliness, but try it sometime. It's really fun. 
it, it's really fun to watch those two movies and pick out the similarities between the two of them. So the ties between Creature and Jaws are just very strong. And my love for Jaws kind of, you know, pushes that to the top. I guess I just have a thing for things in the ocean. But it also is a very beautiful film. I mean, I really think it it looks gorgeous. You know, it's... um, Yeah, I mean... They show it here in New York in 3D periodically. And I keep um, trying to check it out. I saw it in 3D when I was a kid. And I still have my 3D glasses. Yeah. So that movie has been important to me for a very long time. And everyone out there who knows about me and liking it is probably going to go, the Wolfman. Now, the Wolfman is up there. I love the Wolfman. That's one of my favorite characters in Universal is, I mean, in the way that Lon Chaney Jr. plays that character, Mm -hmm. it's so sympathetic. And so, I mean, my heart bleeds for the man. I love him. His eyes, just just everything you can see in his eyes. Yes. It's, I mean, I seriously, it breaks my heart. Exactly. You know? And, uh, but, you know, there are things about it that make me chuckle. Like the fact that, you know, he's, when he turns, he's wearing like a, <laughs> a, a shirt <laughs> buttoned all the way up that he wasn't even wearing before he turned into the Wolfman. So like, where did that come from? I mean, those things crack me up, but yeah, whatever. It's still an amazing <laughs> film. It's still, uh, it's still really, really, really good. Yeah. I, th- I think it's funny that all of us are just dunking on poor Dracula. Well, well, I mean, (laughs) I I agree that it doesn't hold up as, you know, like the others, but, you know, it's it does have a certain amount to offer. And again, for me, it's just there's a huge, significant, just a sentimental attachment I have to that movie. I, I just think at the end of the day, it's one of the least interesting entries as as time goes on, you know what I mean? Like, right. There are better versions of the Dracula story. And there's certainly better vampire movies of that era. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of right. Like I would even say Dracula's daughter is a far more interesting movie. It is. It is. Um, and, and probably push come to shove. That's it's better shot. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So Yeah. Yeah, fuck Dracula is what we're saying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Frankenstein's amazing. Bride of Frankenstein is the clear winner, though, of of all yes. the Universal films. I just I don't think there's a better entry. Um, no, I think I think Bride of Frankenstein was whale like at his A game, and he had funding behind him at that point, which made a huge difference. Because look at what he did with Frankenstein and he didn't have the level of funding you can tell with some of the sets and things, but I can see the creativity of that's where his theater training comes in. <laughs> Cause yeah. some of the sets you're like, Oh no, that's totally a theater set the way he, but the way he shot it, it's so effective that it gives this illusion and you, you know, it works. And it's just so weird. Yeah. It is such a supremely strange film that I like if I'm going to watch one of the, you know, quote unquote classic monster movies, that's my guy. 
because uh, it it just it does everything right and in the weirdest possible way, and I I love it. And you know, as far as being James Whale coming out of the closet, I think mm-hmm. Bride is certainly where it's at. Um, over. Yeah, you know, again, OG Frankenstein, ain't nothing wrong with it. It's fine, but yeah. it's uh, it, it just not Bride, which is, you know, a bummer. Um, all right, let's get on with the show. Thanks very much, John Rhodes, for asking that question. We will be back uh, to more questions here in a bit. Um, but let's uh, let's kick it around the table here and talk about what we've been watching Um Vanessa, let's start with you this time. What uh, what have you been watching that's rung your bell recently? Well, last time I had mentioned I was going to go to a Hammer Film Fest, so I ended up catching. Um, I didn't get to see the triple feature, but I got to see Lust for Dracula, uh, Lust uh, for a Vampire, Ooh. and Twins of Evil. <laughs> Those are both so good. I know, but I missed Vampire Lovers, which is my favorite. Um, <laughs> But I, because I, I couldn't get out of work. But so that was great to do that, and it was in a small like theater, like hundred people tops. So and everybody was so into it, and it was, yeah, it was great. It's always enjoyable. But what I did meant I did see last week. This um, it was kind of um, I don't know if it's like a pre-screening or what it was, but I caught it. And I, it's a blood fest. Now I had seen trailers for this movie Hellfest coming out in, I guess next month, maybe. And they're similar concept to like the, Oh, it's a Halloween haunted house, except, Ooh, there's a real killer running around. You know, it's the same kind of general concept. However, and when I saw, I had seen the trailers for, Hellfest, I was like, meh, okay, I'll, I'll probably see it, but it's probably going to suck. I mean, really. But I went and saw Bloodfest, and I went with uh, Patrick Walsh from Scream Queens, and um, he, uh, it, it, it was great because it had a, a good amount of humor thrown in there, but it didn't, and it kind of had a, a little bit of a more meta vibe, uh, more like a, you know, a cabin in the woods kind of feel. But it was still, you know, it wasn't the best movie in the world, but, you know, it wasn't reinventing the wheel, but it was good. I would recommend it. Excellent. Um, that And that is, do I have this right? Isn't that the one that's kind of the H.G. Lewis-like film? Or am I just thinking of something else entirely um i'm not sure <laughs> so shut up Bo. i'm not in i'm not in your brain boo <laughs> why not not on this one sorry uh all right uh, i felt like there was something i had i'm probably making this shit up at this point um but you know it's exciting uh so uh what else anything else that you you've been seeing that that you know, That's... tickled your pickle, as uh, yeah. the scientists say. Uh-huh. We already talked about the unfriended dark web. Yeah, yeah, we did discuss we did. that. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, let, let's not. 
I again, I feel like every time I talk about that, it sounds like I'm almost about to shit on it, and I don't feel that <laughs> way about it. Right? It's just like, yeah, that was the thing that happened. Yeah. It's like it's like trying to tell someone uh an exciting story about a trip you made to the dentist where nothing <laughs> happened at all. You just went in, you got you got to the room fairly quickly, the hygienist was nice, the doctor cleaned your teeth, and everybody left in a good mood. You know? Yeah. Like, well, that was a thing that occurred. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. All that being said, uh, what about you, JJ? You you like movies? I do enjoy the movies, and I have seen two movies notably recently that uh, one I did enjoy, the other one not so much. So Brian and I carved out a little tiny chunk of time to go see the Meg. Sure. Yeah. And uh, that one I had a really good time with. I did enjoy that. I mean, it's, you know, big shark movie. What do you want from your big shark movie? <laughs> it's uh, It's got a shark and it's big. And things happen. I do, and this has been echoed throughout the horror community. Everyone has said it. But it's true. I do wish it had been a little bloodier. I would have liked a little more violence, but I was I still had a really good time with it. I thought it was fun. There were some fun nods to Jaws that I enjoyed. Um, Don't you, know. you think, though, I mean, that falls in the category for me of don't reference a better movie. And I understand that you're tipping your hat to Jaws. Like, I thought the dog named Pippin was fine. I cracked up. Right. What was funny about that was that um, I had just leaned over to Brian and I was like, I am loving the subtle little Jaws references in this film. And I mean, like, very slight sound cues, not like, not that, but like the, that when it's, when Jaws blows up at the end and it's sinking to the bottom of the ocean and you hear that uh, sort of ethereal right. music at its float, you know, they yeah. use that in the film. I just very subtly, just a very small piece of it. And I, I, but I caught it and I'm like, I love that. So I just turned to Brian and I was like, I love the little subtle Jaws cues. And right then, I swear to God, the woman on the boat goes, Pippin, Pippin. And I was like, Oh, that's right. hilarious. But you know, I liked that. Uh, like I said, the the Pippin part of it I thought was fine, but then it just crossed a line for me where, like, once you get to the beach scene and it's like every third shot is just lifted from Jaws, where I was like, you know what? This movie is fine. That was my ultimate takeaway. It's fine. Um, but there there was definitely that element of, Meg, how about you go fuck yourself with all the Jaws references? Why don't you be your own movie? And if you want to do the the name of the dog as Pippin, again, I'm kind of fine with that part of it. But as soon as it, it starts getting into, oh, we're going to do the wipe shot on the beach. And then, we're like you said, the sound cue at the end and things like that. It was like you have you have gone well past homage and entered. You're just ripping off a far better movie that is now making me want to watch a different movie than The Meg. I think, I mean, there is a fine line there, and I will actually define that a little bit better when I talk about the next film. But the, um, I feel like when you're something as high profile as this, going against something as high profile as Jaws, you're, it's clear that you're not attempting to rip anything off 
you are you are just leaning into that skid. You know, you're like, this is what we are. We can't be better than Jaws because nothing can. You know, if we've had the best giant shark movie we're ever going to have in Jaws. So that no matter how, no, no matter that this shark is like three times bigger, it doesn't matter. You can't make it better. They know that. They're leaning into that skid. They're having fun with it because that's the only thing you can do. So I, I was okay with that. I, I kind of dug that. I, but like I said, I would have liked to, I would have liked it to have gone a little more in the Piranha 3D direction. Um, and like, you know, that movie was bloody as fuck, you know, and it was, it was just really just, I mean, they didn't just turn into that skid. They, you know, slammed on the brakes while they were turning into it <laughs> just, and just, you know, skid. I mean, I, you can take that metaphor however you want. I don't care. But <laughs> I would have liked it if, had they gone a little more in that direction, like the Eli Roth direction. And that's where he would have had taken it had he been able to get involved in it. And I know your hatred for Eli Roth, but I do love what he did with the Piranha film or, you know, his his influence in the Piranha film. And there was some, you know, even though Aja, that was his movie, there's, you know, there was a lot going on in that movie. I would have liked more of something like that, you know, and this was a little too kid friendly for me. Although that was fun too. Cause there were a lot of kids that went to see it and they really had fun with it. So, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So I don't know. I liked it. I don't fault them for anything that they did. The horror fan in me would have liked more blood, but I still had a good time. I can't think of anyone other than Jason Statham who would have been, who should have been in that film. I think that was perfect. You know, I don't know. It was good for me. Yeah. It's like I said, it's fine. It's fine. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a movie that after watching it, I, I was like, I went to see it in, in 3d and the whole deal. And uh, at the end of it, I was like, I, that is probably the only time I will ever watch that movie. You know, um, I had a good enough time with it, but there is n- absolutely nothing in that film that makes me want to see it again. Well, I mean, and I can see that, too. I, I can. But the other film that we watched that is a blatant ripoff, not even trying to hide it, and you cannot call it an homage because it is f- too far gone is this film called Along Came the Devil. And it's on uh, Netflix? Netflix or Prime? I can't remember where I came across. I want to say Netflix. But it's one of those movies. I had seen a trailer for it. Oh, oh no. We watched it on VOD somehow. I don't remember how. But anyway, I'd seen a trailer for it several weeks ago. And in the trailer, I was like, oh, that looks like it might be interesting, and it's a new movie, so let's check it out. So we found it, we checked it out, and oh my lord. it There is a scene, basically it's a girl, she gets possessed. Like, she moves in with her aunt. But it is the, it is the choppiest, worst edited, wor- I mean, it is so bad. Uh, because we start off with the story where she is with her abusive father and her sister... And then that's like when they were kids and then he's being abusive and then it cuts to her being a teenager and moving in with her aunt. We have no idea what happened to her sister. We have no idea what happened to her father and not, neither of them are mentioned ever at the, finally at the very end the aunt is on the phone with the sister. She's like, you need to come home. And this is at the very, very end. I mean the very end of the film 
And we still don't know. We never find out where she is, why they're not together, what happened. We don't know anything. But anyway, the girl starts to get possessed. And it has some interesting moments. Like, it does some things well, and it does some things right. And there are actually a couple of moments that give me the chills. Uh, but for everything that it does right, it then proceeds to screw up something. And there is an actual exorcism scene where she is strapped to the bed, where she's speaking foreign languages, where she even does like the the same, the quick breathing that Reagan would do. She kills a guy. She, I mean, it's basically ripped completely from the exorcist. There's no hiding it. This is not an homage. This is it. You can't really call it an homage when you take an entire scene. And I don't mean just like a couple of shots. I mean, an entire scene pluck it from one movie, stick it in your movie and then go, okay, you know, and, but even then that's not even the worst part about the film. The worst part is the, are the plot lines that go, the plot lines that go nowhere, the questions that are never answered, the, the character. I mean, there are all these things that pop up and they end up doing nothing with it. And the most interesting part of the film, the movie I would like to see takes place in the last two minutes or so of the movie. And you get this reveal about the the priest. And that is the movie I want to see. I want to see the movie about this priest because of what he's doing. That's original. That's interesting. But they don't care. You don't get to know anything about that. It is, I mean... It is the it is such a travesty. It is very difficult for me to properly explain how bad it is. I have to tell people that they need to watch it just because you need to see how bad it is. And I feel really sorry for Bruce Davison, who plays the priest, because bless his heart, he is just not getting any good roles lately. I don't know what's going on with him, but it was very, very bad. Huh, a bad exorcist ripoff. Hard well, to imagine. Even, I know, I know. But they even name dropped The Exorcist in the beginning of the film. Um, one of the girl, uh, a friend of the the girl was like, you've never seen The Exorcist? You have to watch it. And I'm like, oh. And I said, well, maybe there's a reason. And Brian immediately was like, nope, nope. He's like, they're about to rip off The Exorcist. And you don't get a pass for ripping off a movie just because you name check it before you do it. And I was like, well, maybe there's a reason for it. No, that was the reason for it. It was like, here comes a ripoff, you know, be prepared. So it was pretty awful and very disappointing. Yeah, that's eh, a bummer. Um, but, you know, again, you're talking about two movies that are, are clearly influenced by better films. And if one says the name and the other doesn't, I'm still not sure that that makes either <laughs> of them okay. <laughs> Well, the Meg was influenced by the Meg did mm. had playful nods to it. People, you were you knew that going in, you were expecting that. If they, to me, if they did, why would make I have been expecting that? I was, I wanted it to be its own of the movie tone, because of the tone of the film. I think if they did not make those nods, then it would be like the, ignoring the elephant in the room. You know, this other one didn't even try to do anything on its own. I mean, it just was a poorly made film all around. The fact that it ripped off The Exorcist is not the worst thing about it, sadly. But it just it just is a very poorly made film. But I don't know. I kind of feel like they, with The Meg, it was, you know, yeah, we know. And I don't know. I mean, to me, it was like everyone was in on the joke. 
Yeah, yeah I, I I just didn't uh, like I approached it more like Deep Blue Sea or something where it yeah. was like if you would just be a crazy killer shark movie and I expect it to be real stupid, which it was. And that's fine. I, a good, dumb killer shark monster movie is totally fine by me. But like Deep Blue Sea doesn't trade the like especially the last half hour doesn't spend all its time making references to a superior movie it just does its own thing and that's no, what, you're right that's what i wanted out of the meg i mean and i'm not I, you're not wrong of obviously for enjoying the meg more than me i'm just jealous because <laughs> as i walked out of the theater i was like Son of a bitch, if they had if, if they had exactly one Jaws reference, I would have been totally fine with it. By about the fifth one, I would, like I said, I just reached the, you know, go fuck yourself the Meg stage of our relationship with the Meg that it did not know we were having. Three should have been the max. Yeah, yeah. You, I'll That's tell you, the comedic rule of three. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you you get three. You get the Pippin, you get uh, the, the Finn going into the bay. And you get one beach wipe, and that's it. And 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 we're okay. But uh, yeah, it was just a bummer. I just wanted it to be less blatant, you know, to to where it, it's uh, it, you know, the it, it's hard on its sleeve a little less, and just do its own its own giant shark thing, which would have been cool. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, on the other hand, um, rewatched recently, um, Tucker and Dale versus evil, which continues to be one of my favorite movies of all time. Like every, Love it. yeah, every time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. I think that that movie is, uh, probably not the word that they would want, but I think that movie is adorable. Um, and, and every time I watch it, I think it's a little more adorable. Um, yeah, I just I, I I keep hearing uh some talk about them doing a sequel to it, which I think would be great, but also I kind of don't need one. You know, it, yeah. it's like that is such a perfect it, it it's kind of my problem with a lot of uh a, a lot of modern movies is hey, you don't need to do another one. Just be a good thing that you were. And and I'm good with it. So um, at any rate, yeah, I just you know it watching it again and 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 really enjoying the interplay between uh, Tyler Labine and um, oh geez, what's his name? Wash from Firefly. Uh, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, um, the guy with the face. And the yeah, hair, and he guy, does the thing. I can never remember his name, sadly, and I love him. I know, I know. I, oh, I'm going to feel so bad about this when his name finally comes to me because I literally have spent a, a large portion of my life watching Firefly. Like that'll be the thing on my deathbed, where you know that's the what I recall most is the number of times I watched the Out of Gas episode of Firefly. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I thought the uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil always a crowd pleaser, and um, then I, I, you know, I, I mentioned this a little bit on the uh, the Morbid Monday, but if you guys haven't seen it, have you seen um, Life After Beth? Yes. Mm, no. 
I enjoyed it. I thought it was surprisingly good. I love Aubrey good. Plaza. I love Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, it, it was way more of a zombie movie than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me uh, too. And uh, yeah, it was one of those movies that kept surprising me as it went mm-hmm. along where I was like, oh, wow, like Matthew Gray Kubler is in this and I like him. I think yeah. he's a, a funny, quirky actor and he's playing against type where he's kind of the, the thuggish uh, the thuggish dude. And, you know, the older brother who's uh, a, a military nut kind of guy. And I guess it's worth noting just for the listener's sake, the premise of the movie is that Aubrey Plaza is dating Dane DeHaan or DeHaan. Um, and she goes on a hike by herself and ends up getting bitten by what they think is a snake or something. And she fucking dies. And uh, John C. Riley and Molly Shannon are her parents. And uh, Dane DeHaan kind of forges this relationship with John C. Riley. Uh, they kind of bond over the death of, you know, his girlfriend and, and John C. Riley's child. And then all of a sudden, uh, the parents stop returning his calls because it turns out that Beth, the Aubrey Plaza character, has returned. And she doesn't remember dying. She just shows back up. And what I liked about it is immediately the Dane DeHane character is like, you mean like a zombie? Is she, has she tried eating anybody yet? And they're like, no, 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 it's nothing like that. She's fine. And I like the fact that he calls early on like, oh no, no, she's a fucking zombie. You zombie. (laughs) Yeah. But is also torn by the fact that she doesn't behave like a zombie and she doesn't seem to be, um, you know, a flesh eating monster. Um, until, such time as the the movie kind of becomes that but it it goes so much more not over the top because it's not silly it can be silly at times but it's much more like oh this is a movie what i was talking about on morbid mondays was this is a movie that actually gives me the part of an apocalypse movie that i like the most which is the point right before everyone realizes that it, it's an apocalypse you know, right. just just when shit is like off kilter enough that people know something's going on, they just don't know how serious it is. And I really dug that, and I I I I found life after Beth to be funny and surprising, and and a much better movie than I had given it credit for. Not that I had seen it, but I just I don't know. I I just didn't my my. <sighs> God, this sounds so shitty. It's not that I even had like low expectations for it. I just kind of had no expectations for it. No, I, I had. I felt the exact same way. I felt the exact same way. And yeah, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, "This movie's pretty fucking good." Yeah. Um. So yeah. What up, y'all? Uh, it turns out, life after Beth, and you, Jamie, you should absolutely see it. It, it is. I think you would genuinely enjoy it. Um, I've already written it down. <laughs> when did you learn to write? Oh, shh. Don't tell everyone. Then people will be expecting me to write things. Um, but uh, I watched The Endless because of you, so I will. Yeah, and which I, I, I think The Endless is real good. So hopefully you will enjoy um, a little bit of the uh, Life After Beth as well. Which I, I, it's hard for me to imagine anyone watching that movie and, and being like, well, that sucked. You know, like you may not 
overly enjoy it. Like I enjoyed it probably more than I expected to. Um, just because I thought it was, I, I, j- because it was such a surprise. And now that I've told you, no, 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 it's really good. You're probably going to come away from it thinking, yeah, that was good. So <laughs> that's all we need. And I'll tell you, I think part of why it works as well as it does is the cast. You've got these actors that can balance comedy and a more dramatic kind of thing. Just they can balance it well. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think Molly Shannon in particular is very, very good. Um, And I mean, I like her anyway, but. Because this could come off as something completely buffoonish or it could just come across completely flat if you had actors who just couldn't handle, like, balance the material. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised again at how much I liked uh, the Dane DeHane kid Mm -hmm. in the movie who is an actor that I've never been overly impressed with. Uh, You know, he's fine. But I've never seen the movie where it was like, that guy is a star. Um, where And I didn't come away from this movie with that impression, but I did come away from it thinking, you know what? He is a really good character actor, and that's kind of what I want to see him doing, is is that kind of role where he's just playing this kind of oddball weirdo. Um, <laughs> the oddball weirdo character... The Dane DeHane special, um, but yeah, I, I thought that uh, thought that was real good. Uh, that uh, that fancy life after Beth, and uh, I will give a quick mention to um, Castle Rock, which is a show that I continue to watch and and to secretly hope that I I like it more at some point uh, when it's a whole thing because um, it's fine. You know, I don't think it's a bad show. It's just I've never come away from an episode like, holy shit, you guys got to watch Castle Rock. It's more like this slow burn that continues to be a slow burn, but I'm ready for it to be uh, a fast burn now that we're on episode seven and it's still a slow burn. So, I don't know. Have you guys been keeping up with that? Am I alone in watching this? I I was just going to say I haven't been able to start it yet. Yeah, we're supposed to be watching it for evil episodes, but I'm not. I'm shh, don't tell Mike. I'm really behind. But um, <laughs> I now. So you did watch episode seven? Yeah, though? the the one last night. So, yeah, yeah. So Jerry Cortez, he was all. It's so powerful. Like I mean, he it really got to him. Did you not feel that? No. I mean that particular episode. No. Oh well. And it, it may I just be me. Yet, yeah, I just. <laughs> Every, but it, it's the same impression I get with every episode, which was, huh, that was all right. I'm, I, I want it to go somewhere, and I don't feel like it. I, I feel like there's a whole lot of, of a, a little bit too much uh, navel gazing on that show for my taste. I really want it to end up <laughs> going somewhere, and it just hasn't yet. So, yeah, you know. I, you seem to be ambivalent about a lot of things these days. Well, but that's, hey, that's the bell curve of entertainment. Uh, there are a few things that really suck, a few things that are really great, and then there's this great middle part of the curve where everything's like, eh, it's all right. Um, 
And this is the, eh, it's all right, but a little bit west of the center of the curve where I'm like, I don't know if at the end of this, I'm going to feel like watching all of like 10 hours or whatever it is of Castle Rock was worth it. There are things, there are moments I like, and there are little tidbits, like it's not a total wash or anything. There are little tidbits that I, I really enjoy, but I just haven't had that episode that really blew me away yet. It all, it all feels one degree of okay or another. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's, uh, that's what I've been watching. In, in addition to, you know, the usual stuff. Oh, Jamie, I don't know if I, I've talked to you about this, but I did uh, watch the Zach Bagan's Demon House movie. Oh, did you? So did I. Did I tell you guys I watched that? No. What did you think? Okay. Um, now, do you watch the... Um... Do you, do you have you ever watched Ghost Adventures Ghost Bros? I watched like, about 30 minutes of one episode and it really pissed me off and I stopped watching it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I was going to say if you like if you're a fan of those of his regular show like or if you're familiar with his regular show then I think you probably get something out of it. Brian was bored to tears like he was like yeah. he watched this and he just he was on his laptop the whole time and he was just like eh, you know but i actually got a kick out of it because i used to watch the show all the time and like i you know i remember this whole thing like when he would talk about you know buying this house and all of that so like i was actually waiting for this um if you don't have that sort of emotional tie to it, I don't think you'd really get anything out of it at all. I mean, I, I can see you being like, yeah, why am I even bothering? You know, and because like, yeah, Brian has no idea. He's never seen anything. He never watched any of those shows. Doesn't know who the guy is. Um, now, the one good thing about this is now he might appreciate even more how much the Grave Encounters guy nailed that character. Because um, I keep telling him he needs to watch Ghost Adventures so he can see just how good the Grave Encounters guy is. He likes that movie anyway, but I think he'd appreciate it even more now. Other than that, like he was just like, eh. <laughs> so I can see if you don't have a if you don't have a history with a show and you don't care about him just or anything he does, then yeah, I can imagine you did not like it at all. Am I correct? Yeah. Oh, I I really hated it in a way that that was satisfying to me. Like I had a righteous anger built up by the end of that, where I was just like, first of all, this whole thing is wall to wall bullshit. Second of all, the the fact that the fact that you have a narrator who is supposedly like, I'm a I'm a researcher. I'm I'm trying to get to the bottom of things, according to Zach Bagans. Um. And one of the moments of narration, I think this was even in the first half hour or so, this was the point where I was like, oh, let's get out the knife and fork because we're dining tonight. It was when he said, uh, you know, like, well, well, we had to kick some people out of the house. And that's when shit got crazy. And you're like, that yeah. is not narration. That is just a bro telling you. A story is, about though. about the time he bought weed at a car wash or something. <laughs> That's why David David and I always referred to them as ghost bros, and why I actually call Zach Bagans. To me, he's big swole. And that's because he's just all like he's ripped, like he's always like working out and he's wearing these tight ass T-shirts and he's got like this Abercrombie haircut. And, and he has always been the epitome of bro. 
Like that's that's who that's who he is. So like you wouldn't expect anything other than that from him. It just would be weird. And yeah, it's total bullshit. Just like the whole show is total bullshit. I mean, it's it cracks me up how people believe that every other ghost hunting show that has ever been, they never really managed to find anything. Yet magically, when Ghost Bros goes out there, you get actual voice. You know, they pick up not just EVPs, but they have this little machine that will translate uh, ghosts as they're talking. And uh, that shit cracks me up. But, you know, and then, of course, at the very end of this film, the one time something like really happens, it's when the ca- like when he puts the camera down and you get like that swish by the door. You know, when he's locked, he had closed himself up in the bedroom and then all of a sudden he keeps hearing all these noises all over the house. And so he rushes out there to see what's going on. But he had put the camera down and then you see like the something moving past the doorway and of course, that's when the one time he puts the damn camera down is the one time something happens. So, yeah, I mean, it just, I think it's really just basically it's built for people who love that show. And I have, I just shut ins on the elderly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I've always gotten a kick out of them because they crack me up. I mean, it's. I just like, wow, because Zach Bagans, when you, he's such a personality. Like if you're watching the show on the regular, he's just, his favorite thing to say is now I actually haven't watched it in a while uh, since I moved up here really, because Brian's not into that sort of thing. But when, um, when I was back home, I used to watch it religiously that and paranormal state. I loved them both, but, um, he would always do this thing where he's like, when something would happen, he'd go, it's demonic. And that was his favorite thing was that things were demonic. And then like you had this one camera guy, Aaron, who was, uh, he's left the show, I think, but he was on it. He was known as like the scaredy cat. He was the one that would take off running or that would get freaked out or, you know, I mean, there were just, there were characters, you know, and you, you kind of, I think you kind of have to appreciate that or, you know, not, not appreciate it. Like it's something worth appreciating, but I mean, you have to have a love for it. In right. order to give a damn about this movie, because otherwise it is not like a documentary. It is not, you know, it's not like something you can take seriously. Um, yeah, I can kind of imagine like somebody not know, not caring about these shows, just flipping this on just because, oh, documentary, you know, or whatever. I like spooky things. And then you start watching it and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, it was a really... It was a really frustrating watch for me, but also, like I said, there was that that part of it that I really adored because I knew how angry I was getting uh, as I watched the movie, and uh, by the end of it, yeah, I was I was really in a place of I I ha- I hate 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 Zach Bagans and <laughs> and anyone like like I understand they like there's a, an element of ironic enjoyment that i can i can appreciate about this but if someone were like hey like i think this movie is genuinely good and compelling that's the point where i'd be like look you need to watch more movies there's a lot out of the house or something yeah there there's actual good stuff out there you don't need to just watch garbage you know there that has its place like i i'm not i'm not saying like if you if you watch ghost bros 
and find it to be entertaining because of how ridiculous you know these people are i get that i'm i'm on board with that to to a large degree i just i i think that it falls into the thing uh of like the warrens for me of like you're you are trying to make a career off of people uh you're just being a grifter you know and you know if if you can get away with it god bless you but um i don't know i just i i find it to be distasteful and especially when he was um talking about the like the girl who left the show who like well she called and then not long after um her boyfriend like killed her and then killed himself which was a real thing that happened right but the fact that you're using it as sort of like hey we're look, look at how for realsies this possession thing is and it's like no man you're you're like i'm not sure i believe in hell but if there is one that books you a ticket where if you trade on the death of a a former you know business partner and one assumes friend then you're just kind of a shitty person anyway that is- I mean, there is, there's, there have been things that he's said and done in the past that kind of lead me to believe he does have some sort of level of belief as far as these things go, and I think he just amps it up for entertainment purposes. But I, I do actually think that there's a little bit of him that, I mean, I might be giving him too much credit. I don't know, but I feel like it came from somewhere. But for all I know, he could just be like some old Amber Crombie mo- or Abercrombie model that didn't have a gig and they found him and made him do this show i don't know i think i mean my my take on it not knowing nothing about nothing is that he is like a a guy who saw ghost hunters and that thing making money for those people and then saying i bet i can do that with a lot more stupid thrown in yeah and makes make a little cheddar and i i think it's purely cynical is the thing that bothers me the most about it i just don't think there's i don't think there's a genuine bone in his body other than possibly the dick he has which is (laughs) self-referential i don't know vanessa i you were gonna say something no (laughs) Oh, I thought you were. I felt like you were going to say something when we were talking. When I was talking about the, the no, I, TV show, did you laughing. watch Demon House? I was just laughing at you guys. I don't think I've seen it, but I've seen similar, uh, similar bullshit type things. <laughs> I mean, and it is total. I mean, it, it is total. It, it is. It's yeah. total bullshit. It's everything is hammed up, and everything is even as someone I, I, who who believes in the spiritual world and has had experience experiences with otherworldly entities. I still find those shows bullshit. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing too is I, yeah, I am a firm believer. I have a, I have had a lot of experiences and I don't expect anyone to, I, I, I get that that sort of thing is a, I have to see it before I believe it kind of sure. thing. Totally. So I, I never get angry with anyone for not believing me or for doubting the existence of things like that at all. Because it's the kind of thing that if you don't experience it, you you know, 
I can't expect you to. It does seem bizarre. But, I mean, I thoroughly believe in that thing, in that sort of thing. And, yeah, they're total bullshit. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's, you know, he spends, like, on this show, he spends a great deal of the time taunting that, like, they'll be locked into a place overnight. Yeah. That's the whole thing. And he's taunting it. You know, he's like, you know, come on, show yourself, man. Yeah, you know. And, like, what, what are you doing? What are you right. doing? But really, it's because it's because nothing happens. You know, when when real ghost hunters go out, ninety nine point nine percent of the time they get nothing, and then that point one percent will be an orb. You yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> most so, of the time they're doing nothing. It's nothing. boring. It's yeah. boring. And nobody wants to watch that, which is why yeah. I never watched Ghost Hunters because it was boring as shit. But the, but what I but I watch these shows because of the personalities behind it, and that's all there is. He's selling personality. So I do. I mean, I do actually believe that there's a part of him that believes it that something is going on. But the sure. but the show is pure cult of personality. That's all it is. Right. So yeah. anyway. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right. I think that's about enough ghost broing. Um, <laughs> let us uh, take our first break here, and uh, we'll come right back with uh, the news of the month. Woo woo. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for WYCH on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, tune in, and on your Android device. Which versus the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break. Be quiet a second, will you? It's eight o'clock in Los Angeles. It's nine o'clock in Denver. It's ten o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man. Game over. Your mother sucks cops and hell. Folks, when it comes to uh, your horror news, there's only one place that you can really get any good time action, and that's right here on Devour the Podcast with the news goddess. Yes, that's right. News goddess. Jamie. Jamie, hit me. Ah, uh, yay! <laughs> I would, but you're too far away. <laughs> oh. But I do, however, have I some see. good news for you. <laughs> you're going to be so excited about this. Because Castle Rock has been renewed for a second season. Yeah. I, I, I've i heard, though, that they're doing kind of an anthology thing with it. That is that is true, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just announced that their J.J. Abrams produced Castle Rock, which is halfway through the first season, has been renewed for a second. At this time, they don't yet know 
what the approach will be, but they have been told that Castle Rock is an anthology series, meaning it won't continue season one story. So you're kind of doing like a uh, like an American Horror Story kind of thing. Although I don't know if they'll do the same thing where they use the same actors, you know, repeatedly, which is one thing I really like. I really like that about American Horror Story because it feels almost like stock players, you know, like um, like a like a local playhouse or something. And, you you know, you can go there and see different plays, but you're going to see familiar faces every time. And I kind of dig that. Well, it gives us a certain it still gives us a common thread and right. a sense of continuity, even mm-hmm. And then when they sneak in these references and characters that go back to other seasons, I would, I mean, I would think of this the same way. Yeah, I, I kind of hope that that's what we'll see here, but then I don't know. Um, Let's see. Uh, Oh, referring to King, he's a genre unto himself, and there are seven or eight well-defined subgenres. We've always loved the stories dealing with crime and punishment and prisons, and Stephen King sort of grappling with real-world monsters and what we do with them and where we put them, how we treat them, and whether that makes us monsters. The season is written very much in the shadow of Shawshank and the Green Mile, and stories dealing with incarceration, but then there are great... There are great banging monster stories or there are cosmic stories about good and evil. So I guess that's one thing, too, is I guess they'll be continuing in the vein of Stephen King. Well, yeah, I I think I mean, which would only make sense because of the title. Sure. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think that's the whole gig is, hey, it's not going to be like Stephen King. Uh, a specific Stephen King story or even a, st- a specific Stephen King style. Um, like I said, I, 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 if they pick up the pace a little bit, uh, I'm totally on board. That's, that's my whole problem with this season of the show has just been, Hey, it's just taken a little while for shit to happen. Well, the last sentence is we hope to have the latitude to come back to future seasons and just tell a great monster story set in like, 1974 or a different kind of story under the influence of a very different Stephen King novel, which is kind of interesting. If you're going to go 74, that leads, I mean, that points me to something like Carrie, you know, but um, either that or Rob Zombie will be directing it (laughs) because everything Rob Zombie directs is in the seventies. That's just a jab, but yeah, is the, you know, what is it, Three from Hell or whatever is probably going to be a period piece? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it'll kind of have to be because it's a, it's a continuation of Devil's Rejects, so, which was. so Yeah, it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, he's been releasing some photos from that, or like cast photos and stuff, so I guess it's a coming. I don't know. If all else fails, just go back to the one thing that you did right, I guess. <laughs> uh, how many, just out of curiosity, how many good movies has Rob Zombie made? Well, I mean, it depends on who you ask. because Yeah, it out totally there, does. Yeah, well, but I'm asking you guys. There who think he's the best director ever. I'm saying, like, I think let's, he made one. Yeah, Devil's Rejects? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I agree. That's the only one I really like. I, I think House of a Thousand Corpses had... I mean, it to me plays like a very long music video version of Texas Chainsaw. 
And uh, Devil's Rejects is where I feel like he came into his own and those characters really fleshed out. And I enjoyed that film a lot. Then everything else to me, well, okay, I love the look of Lords of Salem. I love the aesthetics of that film. I think it's the most beautiful film he's ever made. But there's not a whole lot to the story. It's a very simple story. But I do love the movie just because of I like the music and I like the look of it. And it's kind of like watching an Argento film in that respect for me. But <clears throat> beyond that, not a fan. I mean, he just it just seems like he does the same thing over and over and over again. He writes the same characters over and over and over again. And they're all a bunch of assholes. So, you know. But there are people out there who think he's the best director ever. Yeah. The, Vanessa, or where, where do you come down on this? Did you say? No, I did not. Uh, I like him more than you guys do, but he's definitely flawed. He needs a better writer. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's that's the biggest flaw he has, to tell you the truth. Oh, absolutely. He's what captures... If, his visual style is incredibly stunning. And I know I've said it before, that draws me in... It, like on, on a whole other level and there's certain films I can excuse a lot with <laughs> just because they look pretty I, I admit that but I also know yeah okay this could handle you know, stronger writing whatever else but I really think okay Devil's Redex I do think is his best but I, I enjoy House of a Thousand Corpses and Lords of Salem a lot too um, I love Lords of Salem as much as I love Devil's Rejects on just for very different reasons, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And I think, I mean, yeah, I, as a director, I think he's phenomenal. As his, I think he has a be, like a fantastic eye mm-hmm. for things. You know, he he does he makes some really good shots. Well, in really pretty like, movies at times. I like him more as a musician, to tell you the truth, and having seen him live, yeah. just even how he orchestrates a live show is it, it yeah it's much more along the lines of what you get in house of thousand corpses admittedly but i remember seeing that in the theater and just kind of being like what the fuck am i watching and you know it needs it definitely is flawed and that needs to be a little more cohesive at, at points and and things but there's a distinct just the 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 atmospheric kind of moments that it has i I really enjoy the thing that irritates me about him is specifically his writing when it comes to dialogue and yes and that's frustrating to me because i think he had some really amazing dialogue in devil's rejects there was some good stuff Mm -hmm. there particularly some of otis's lines i think are fantastic but then you get to something like halloween and right. these characters that he wrote, the teenage girl characters, every single one of them are reprehensible, horrible people. And that includes Laurie Strode, the hero, um, you know, when she's like fingering a bagel at her mom. And I'm like, this is so wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> like, I just I don't I don't like these people. Like, I just don't like them. If I if I met them in person I would think they were terrible people. So, and I'm like, do you know anyone who's not an asshole, Rob Zombie? Like, <laughs> seriously? Because <laughs> they say you write what you know, right? So is he completely surrounded by assholes all the time? 
I don't know. But yeah, the dialogue is is oh, it's so that, frustrating. I, bad. I would love to see what he could do with a different writer. I would too. I would it's, love that. And the dialogue is his biggest big his biggest weakness. Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. But you know, I agree that I think I would love to have the opportunity to see what he would do with someone else's script. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. I, I, I agree. Like I'm kind of where both of you are. I think he has a great visual eye and a he can capture the aesthetic of seventies grindhouse cinema better than anyone ever has, other than, you know, Toby Hooper or somebody. Right. Uh, but it's just God, yeah, like Jamie was saying, everybody in his movies is terrible. Yeah, I mean, even the good guys are a bunch of dicks. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, um, well, moving on from that director, I have news about another director, <laughs> and one that I think is actually, well, he really only has one effort so far, but I fucking love it, and that's David Robert Mitchell, who did It Follows, he is currently writing They Hear It. And I guess that's going to be followed soon by This Tastes Bad. <laughs> <laughs> What's that smell? Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> We're just going to hit all the senses, you know. Uh huh. I like it. <laughs> Touch this. <laughs> yeah. Or, or they could just quote Ghostbusters and it could be Listen, do you smell something? <laughs> Hey, that reminds me of one time I was in the car with my roommate, and she reaches over and she turns down the radio. <laughs> she turns around the radio and goes, Shh, what's that smell? And I'm like, uh, why did you turn down the radio? She's like, so I could focus my senses. <laughs> okay. Right, like right. she's a superhero. Like, I can't. <laughs> she can't sense more than one thing at a time. Uh, <laughs> right, my, my sniffer sense is tingling. <laughs> Let me <laughs> let me climb into my sensory depth tank. This tastes bad. All right. Um, good and bad news. It follows director David Robert Mitchell is returning to horror. Yay! Woo-hoo. But he's only writing the screenplay. Now, wait, if they follow that with to be directed by Mike Flanagan, I might just... Yay! <laughs> they didn't. Um... <laughs> Oh, Hollywood Reporter okay. says that, that Mitchell is adapting a feature version of the short film They Hear It for Legendary Entertainment and produce Legendary Entertainment and producer The Picture Company. Created by Julian Terry as a proof of concept short film short, bleh, the film will be turned into a feature by Legendary and The Picture Company, on which Terry will make his directing debut. Okay, so it's being directed by Julian Terry. The premise, there is a mysterious and terrifying noise called the sound that attracts children when they hear it. What is it? Like the ice cream man? Next time it's going to be the smell. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, he's just... I was going to say the color, but, you know, Lovecraft already did that. Right. (laughs) Full plot details of the feature version are being kept under wraps, but sources compare the story to It and A Nightmare on Elm Street, films that explore an ominous presence that stalks the youthful inhabitants of a small community. Okay, now seriously. Just take that sentence. 
an ominous presence that stalks the youthful inhabitants of a small community. That is every horror movie ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, C- certainly Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, that's everything from Halloween <laughs> to the stuff. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the Blob. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, Mitchell's It Follows share similar themes and also hearkened back to Elm Street. Uh, the picture companies Alex Heinemann and Andrew Romo will produce the film, and Jacob Chase will be executive producer. Care. This is a big step for Terry, who won New Line New Line's short film contest to promote Annabelle creation. Terry won for a two-minute short he created for the contest, and about a horror character called the Nurse. His short film Whisper also got a lot of attention in the genre community. I have not seen it, but if you go to this article on Bloody Disgusting, they have a link to Whisper, the horror short. I will have to check that out afterward. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, the, all right. I, I'm glad that the guy doing It Follows isn't going to be all fancy pants about it and say, like, I did my horror movie. Now here's the touching comedy about a hipster trying to find his way in life. I'm, I'm glad that right. he's not biting the hand that, that fed him. True. Yeah, I True. mean, I, I'm, a, I'm along with that. I just... And I do like his writing, so I I think that he will craft a decent script based on his one thing that I've seen that he has written. But I also kind of wanted him to do more as a director. Well, you know? who knows what he has in the works for his own his, 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 for himself? I he know he might been have something years. on the back burner where he's already he's already got something in development and he's working it through a project that he wants to do. And in the meantime, he's got fucking bills to pay, and he's also got to like get some funding so he can get you know his movie to a certain stage. Right. He's Damn. Like, yeah. He's, right. he's like, I'm hey, just thinking hey. pragmatically. <laughs> I want I want this guy to make something else. He's like, hey, yeah, Annabelle. Here, here, you direct this piece of shit I wrote. I got another thing that's about to pop off, and it's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah, I, um... He's not gonna do a good job, but I'm just saying. You know. You're just saying. I, uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, it scares me, because I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And, like, we've had... In the past decade or so, we've had several promising new directors come out who I was expecting to be to do great things and to keep going. And some of them have mm-hmm. um, Flanagan being one of them. I mean, he's the hardest working one out there. Like he just keeps turn, turning them out and always with the quality. Love that guy. Um, right. Mickle Mickle has some really strong things under his belt, but then he turned more to TV and then he he kind of disappeared on me. Like he's not, I mean, he was doing half and Leonard and then, and then that's it. Like I, he hasn't done anything else horror, and that makes me sad. Ty West turned to TV. So he hasn't been doing anything film wise horror. And, um, lucky McKee, I don't know what the fuck happened to him, but like I had high hopes for that guy, you know? And then he just kind of disappeared. So it's it scares me. Like, I want these guys to stick around. And when I see that they've done something, you know, amazing, like Mitchell did, I want more of it. And so I'm, I get antsy if they don't do something for a long time. I'm the same way with Eggers, you know. And I know Eggers is working on uh, Nosferatu, I think, is the next thing he's going to be or that he's working on. And 
the thing that the problem with Eggers is he takes like 27 years to make one movie. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's such a perfectionist. It takes him forever, but I know he's at least staying within the genre and I know he's, you know, going to do something. And I have every reason to believe that that his version of Nosferatu would be fucking amazing. But, you know, I just, I'm like, yeah, hurry up. <laughs> I get, I get, uh, I get impatient, I guess. And rambly. So here we go. All right. <laughs> I know this about me. Okay. Next up. Devil's Five set to terrorize Hell's Kitchen. Go on. The, an- the anthology film Devil's Five will be screened at the Hell's Kitchen NYC Festival on September 8th. Oh man, I thought they were going to be screening it for Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <laughs> this represents the festival debut for Devil's Five, which is comprised of five devil-related short films. And I swear to God, I almost read devil-related porn films, which <laughs> to me would be just as cool. Whatever. That kind of um, thing. <laughs> <laughs> An ancient evil unleashes a deadly computer virus, which is hell bent on destroying humanity. This is the premise for the segment The Devil's Five, which serves as the foundation story for the rest of the anthology. So I guess I thrap around. Um, the segment Abandoned tells the story of a photographer doing a photo shoot with a sexy vixen in a deserted location, which is supposedly haunted. Stash is about an idealistic young woman who is raising money for her church. And I read crotch. What is, where is my mind right now? She's raising money well. for her crotch. <laughs> and embarks. On what was she doing crotch. to raise money for the church? It's pubic service. She was using Ooh, her crotch somehow. That's a good one, Bo. Yeah, nice. That's good. And then it's followed by, this tastes bad. <laughs> hey, smell this. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Your poor crotch. And embarks on it. Poor girl, I have nothing against your crotch. I'm sorry if you're listening. Her poor um, crotch, by the way, is one of my favorite ho- home and garden shows. <laughs> right next to these old balls. <laughs> Um, anyway, she bar- embarks on a scavenger hunt <laughs> in her crotch that leads to an encounter with the devil himself. Wow, that is one messed up crotch. <laughs> if you've got the devil hiding in your crotch. I'm still laughing. Yeah. You good there? If you the, good there? If you the, broke her bow. Uh, it's fine. Uh, the, <laughs> if the devil does show up and is like, look, we, we've really got to talk about your crotch. <laughs> I told you I haven't, I haven't had a lot of sleep. Sorry. <laughs> oh. I've got Don't diminish his. He's just funny. It's okay. just, well, yeah. <laughs> funny looking. Um, wow. It's wow. brutal. Was that the end of the story? I got lost. No. <laughs> no. Devil's right. Five, which had its first public screening last year, is. Or pubic is the brainchild of East Coast-based filmmaker Terry Wickham. And he says, Since we first showed the film near the end of last year, we approached a sales representative... Go on. (laughs) Oh, 
We are, you always remind me of like the jewelry store manager from an episode of Lucy. Whenever you, whenever you say go on, like, yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, what the hell was I saying? Oh yeah, blah blah blah. Sales representative about helping us get distribution. They watched and loved the film. The problem is that they want a $5,000 retainer fee, which we don't have. So we're going to be creating a GoFundMe page to pay for a lawyer and a sales rep and cover the cost needed to get distribution. Meanwhile, Wickham has gone into production on his next feature film, which is titled Double Vision. It's a true psychological suspense thriller in the mold of Brian De Palma. Wow. I, as soon as I read Double Vision, I thought De Palma, so... That's pretty good. Uh, and Alfred Hitchcock, which basically, you know, De Palma. <laughs> I mean, if right? you got De Palma, you got nods to Hitchcock with a pinch of Wes Craven. I've already directed the first 45 minutes of the film, which was shot over the last month. I'm currently writing the second half ooh, with a goal of shooting the rest of the film in October and November. Uh, the Hell's Kitchen NYC Festival screening for E-Devils 5 will be moderated by actor Anton Pagan, who had worked with such iconic horror filmmakers as Lucio Fulci and George A. Romero. Tickets for the screening, you know, can be purchased uh, online. So, are uh, do you will be going? I, I might. I'm going to try. <laughs> do you will be going? <laughs> do you will be? Um, I'm going to try. Will you Let's go see. to there? <laughs> <laughs> I might go to there. I mean, I like anthologies, and I like devils. Yeah. So. yeah. Me I, too. I just find it a little disconcerting that he's like, no, seriously, I'm totally going to finish this script, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as soon as yeah. I read the part where he's like, I directed the first half of the film, and now I'm going to be writing the second half. I'm like, eh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're so passionate about this film that you want to make that you haven't even finished writing it yet? I mean, it's not like I'm making revisions. It's, I got to write it. <laughs> you know? Right. You got it's gonna blow your mind as soon as I come up with some ideas, or or maybe he's got it all sketched out or something and just hasn't you know put pen maybe. to paper. I but. mean, maybe it's, I don't think I would have told anyone that out loud. You know what I'm saying? Not I would like that, that at least. <laughs> um, okay. That's true of so many things I say, though. Yeah. I should yeah, not have said that. I should probably wear a t-shirt that says, you know, I shouldn't have said that out loud, but <laughs> Right. Um It's okay, I covered my ass a long time ago when I said I don't care what I've said, I'm never going to apologize for it. So then <laughs> there. It's true. Um what am I talking about? Ken Ken Foray will lead <laughs> new atmospheric voodoo film Carnival. Ken Foray, known for his iconic roles as a police officer in George Romero's cult classic Dawn of the Dead, has signed for a lead role in Carnival, a project by exec producer and screenwriter Rod High. Rod High? Right. 420. (laughs) (laughs) Foray joins actress Gretchen Lodge, star of the 2011 Lovely Molly, who committed for the lead role in Carnival in fall 2017, or the lead female role. Gerald Proscott, known for her roles in The Walking Dead, Ray Donovan, and The Skeleton Key, signed this month, rounding out the top billed cast. We are so, and then High says, we are so fortunate, fortunate to have these top named talents join our team. Gretchen will bring us the right, uh, 
He's doing some ass kissing there. I don't care. Set in New Orleans, <laughs> Carnival follows the intricate dance of danger between Acadia and the elusive Baron, where the supernatural knights ruled by the Baron are stared down hard by beat cop Acadia during the day. Okay, well, Voodoo, I'm on board. Set in Louisiana, I'm on board. Or what did it say Mississippi? Was that Louisiana? Okay. Yeah, you tell me the difference. Well, exactly. There is a one. <laughs> there is a difference. Um, there is much. a difference. The, the roads in Mississippi are much worse. I'll tell you that. Yeah, fair um, enough. And Louisiana has better food. Yeah. Yes. And you are more likely to be underwater in Louisiana because of the, <laughs> yeah. because of the swamps. Um, not that you don't have some swampy areas of Mississippi, but you more likely to get eaten by a gator there. Just because you have the, the... Oh, that was adorable. Oh no, no, just as likely. <laughs> that was so adorable, though. I do. You know what? But here's the thing: is I have such a soft spot for a Cajun accent. I really do. I mean, it yeah. just. Um, oh, I always have. I mean, there's a. a I. Never mind. But there. <laughs> And you have the Cajun and Creole accents in Louisiana. You don't get that in Mississippi. Yeah, Not really. I don't unless think... you're right at the Louisiana border. Yeah, I don't think anyone's arguing that Mississippi is far shittier than Louisiana. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and good crap. Mississippi's far shittier than most places. <laughs> Sorry, Mississippians. It's even shittier shittier than Alabama, and Alabama's pretty shitty. (laughs) Right, like if you live in Mississippi, run. Yeah. Get out of there. You trip over the potholes getting out, though. Have you you heard about other places? They exist. (laughs) You don't have to stay there. And you're right about Alabama. I mean, I'm from Georgia. Alabama is shitty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love how we have such Southern flavor on this show. And we're, (laughs) I mean, mine's the best state. And then there, you know, there's you guys. (laughs) But the thing is, is I'm not originally from there. And they, so they don't claim me and I'm not, I don't claim them. But you spent some decent amount of time (laughs) there. Like you you get it, you know. Unfortunately, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's weird. I I still, they, they just. Like, yeah, it was, it's, my mom always puts it as, if you weren't born underneath a magnolia tree on Mardi Gras day, then you're not a true, you know, Mobilian. You're not a true Alabamian. It's. <laughs> well, I mean, fuck. Because you could, you could the move there when you're like a true. week. Yeah. They're really weird about outsiders. Yeah, well. You know, yeah. that that yeah, yeah. fits a certain stereotype for sure. Uh, you know, totally. look, I'll I'll put Nashville up against any city around. I think Nashville's a pretty rocking place. It is. It's very nice. Yeah, it is. It is. Georgia's better, but um, I am kidding. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't know. There's some parts of Georgia that are not so good. <laughs> yeah, well, there are parts of every state that are not so good, but there are some parts of Georgia that are just amazing and beautiful and. Um, and fucking hot. So that's why I'm up here now. But, um, just kidding about Mississippi, though. I have had some lovely times in Mississippi. 
And that doesn't even matter anyway, because this takes place in fucking New Orleans. So <laughs> right on. So there we go. Um, <laughs> anyway, for instance, I love voodoo movies. I love movies that take place in the South. I love the, I mean, give me some Southern Gothic. Gothic. Give me some, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you yeah, know, I I'm right there with you with the with the voodoo and with the southern gothic atmosphere. I'm so there. Yeah, man. I mean, coming up on the next episode of ABCs that will be coming out, we will be talking about the skeleton, skeleton key. key. Yeah. And I love the skeleton key. I love and so if we can have something that you know with some atmosphere like that, yeah. like I watch that film every time I watch that movie, it makes me remember what I do love about the south. Yeah, and um, there unfortunately it, are some things I do love about the South. I mean, because you know you kind of can't help some things, and sometimes I miss I miss the fire out of it. But anyway, no, that's a step too far for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a nice place to visit, but <laughs> man, my home. Anyway, I give me some voodoo and some Southern Gothic, and you will make me really happy. So I. I hope that that's what we can get from this film. They actually call it atmospheric in the title of the article. So maybe, maybe that's what they're going for. I hope they don't mess it up because it's really easy to mess something like that up too. So I don't know. Oh, definitely. But I'm totally on board if they can nail it. Anyway, and I really was kidding about Mississippi, you guys. Sorry. I'm totally not. <laughs> Mississippi is a shithole. Yeah. Get out of there. No, I'm not kidding either. <laughs> I mean, the roads are really bad. I will. I mean, I'm not kidding about oh, that. Yeah, but they the, I like the people. I do like the people. I like the people better than I like the people of of New Orleans. I hate the people in New Orleans. I, I mean, everyone always talks about how friendly people are in New Orleans. I they were a bunch of assholes, <laughs> and I wasn't even there during like Mardi Gras or anything, I was just driving through and everyone I encountered was a huge asshole. And I was like, what the hell? Wow. I'm even Southern. You can't be nice to me. <laughs> mm. So it left a really nasty taste in my mouth. That's interesting. I, I know yeah. no one ever says that. No one, no. and never in my life has anyone ever said that. And I spent some time there and was like, what is happening? Like, I, I've, this is the last thing I've ever, I mean, this is, I've never heard this about New Orleans ever, ever, ever. Everyone talks about how amazing they are. And that was not at all my experience. I ended up spending, I ended up leaving there and staying in Slidell. Oh, no. So by the way, those people were really nice. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, they're not awful there, but, oh, but still, it's so, compared to New Orleans, I, fi I find it, it's so inferior. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, I'm sure, I'm sure they, it is. great gas and like liquor like type emporiums i remember like <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much all we needed anyway so it's all right. yeah well this was very <laughs> close yeah now now, I have, now i'm into it i have a lot of uh stories from high school and college driving back and forth between mobile and new orleans and having we always stop in slidell yeah so stuck inside I, of Memphis with him Slidell blues again. <laughs> oh man. Stock up in your gas, cheap booze. And I think their cigarettes are pretty cheap too, but probably <laughs> yeah. and fireworks, fireworks to top it all off. 
all in one handy dandy location. And I am going down in history as the only person to ever slag the people of New Orleans. <laughs> uh, probably ever in history. No one else has ever. I've seriously never heard anyone else say anything bad about it, but I just did not enjoy it. Anyway, and I wasn't even, anyway, whatever, doesn't matter. Who cares? Nobody cares. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do care about is this next story. And I, you know, I have my own opinion about this. I'm curious to see what you guys think. It's the YouTube pulled their jump scare ad for the nun uh, because it was violating its shocking content policy. And for anyone who is not familiar with that ad or didn't run into it or see a story about it, basically they had a little, like a teaser a little trailer ad for the nun where in the beginning of it, it shows this little icon that makes it look like your volume on your phone is going down or whatever device you're watching on. Anyway, you're, so it, it looks like that your volume is going down. So people were frantically like turning up their volume. <laughs> like what's going on? What's going on? They're turning up their volume. And then all of a sudden it's a jump scare, you know, and it's the nun and it's like, ah, you know. Um, and so people were freaked out. Because, it, you know, some of them were legitimately scared by it, and then they got all pussy about it, and it freaked them out, and they complained. The only problem I have with it is that it could get people in trouble at work, like, for watching things on their phone if they're not supposed to. And, like, you know, you're sitting a cubicle over from somebody, and suddenly they hear this when, you know, because you've turned the volume up. Right. I, I kind of think that's unfair to trap people like that, because... I'm like, yeah, that's kind of mean. As far as scaring people, I don't give a fuck about that. Like, I'm just, get over it as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, they ended up pulling the ad. But I can't imagine they're really upset about it because it got a lot of, it got a lot of press. It got, exactly. So, which I mean, I guess as a marketing tool, that's exactly what you want to happen, right? Like, you want people to be talking about it. So, yep. So I say it worked, but I don't know. Did you guys run into that at all? No, I heard about it. And to me, that's the internet equivalent of, hey, pull my finger. It's just a thing that, like, if somebody did it to you, it's like, you know, those things floated around at work uh, for a long time. Of it's, It's the same gag of, hey, this thing seems like it's low volume or... It's oh, like, the serene drive thing. Uh, yeah, just any of that stuff, and it's it's just it's it's the ghost bro mentality for me of just like yeah, you just scream at me, and of course you made me jump as it I will when someone suddenly screams at me after silence. That is startling, but I like the problem is is not that it's scary. The problem is that it's an asshole thing to do to people, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, like I said, I think it is, but really my, I'm the kind of person, I thought it was funny. I, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, <laughs> even if people were disturbed by it, I still think it's funny because fuck people. But I, <laughs> like I said, the only thing that really upset me about it was what if somebody got in trouble at work? Like, <laughs> I just don't want people to get in trouble for stuff. Right. Or, or just how about I don't interact with things that yell at me? That's kind of my, I like, I don't think there's anything well, yeah. frightening about it, but it, it's the same problem I have with jump scares in general, which is this is kind of a lowest common denominator form of, of fright. And, and, you know, they have their place. There are certainly great jump scares in the history of horror, but having an ad that, that 
tricks you into thinking your volume is down just to create a loud, sharp noise, that's not fear or fright or horror or terror or anything like that. Again, oh. that's just being an asshole. Totally. Well, it's, no, it's not scary, but it's clever as fuck. It's not clever. It's like it, 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 it is it, it's, clever. It's as and clever. I don't mean the jump it's scare a little is clever. Cl- it's it's smart marketing wise because it gets it the is. attention of people talking, but it's an asshole move. Right. It it would be like somebody firing a starter pistol behind my head while I was trying to work. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna startle and scare <laughs> me. But I'm also gonna punch that motherfucker right in the face. I don't <laughs> You might pee your pants first, but then you'll punch the motherfucker in the face. Right. I don't think the jump scare is clever. I think the volume thing is clever. To me, that was my favorite part about it. That it's like you that it tricks you into thinking your volume is being turned down, and so you're like, "Oh, let me turn that up." Well, I think that's funny as shit. That goes back to my my belief in, or not belief, but just my reticence to be tricked in general. It's why I don't like magicians. (laughs) I honestly, I respect people who can trick me. If you can trick me, then then good on you. I think it's funny. I I have always had a good sense of humor about that. But I have this one friend. You try to pull a practical joke on her, she won't speak to you for weeks. Like she gets really angry. I mean, just downright angry about practical jokes and they weren't they'll be totally harmless things like nothing serious you know like one time i pretended to write a note and put it on this guy's windshield because he had this like really he's one of those guys that he took up like two parking spaces because he didn't want anyone to scratch his car and it was like really shiny and brand new and all that and so i pretended to write this note to put it in his windshield that said you know hey sorry i dinged your car (laughs) just so and i told her and it really, the joke was on her that I was doing it because she's like, oh, no, no, no. He's going to be so mad. And I'm like, well, no one dinged his car. I didn't touch his car. There's nothing wrong with his car. But see, now he'll think there's something wrong with his car and he'll frantically go around <laughs> looking, looking at his car, looking for this ding. It's going to be hilarious. And she's like, no, no, no. Like she flipped out on me. And I was like, OK, OK, I was just kidding anyway. Like it was it was kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand people who don't have a little bit of a sense of humor about that sort of thing, but <laughs> well, it's <laughs> whatever. It, right. It, I mean, comedy should be about punching up, right? Like it, fighting asshole with asshole I'm on board with where it's like, okay, this guy's a jerk. He's taking up extra spaces because he has some weird, you know, fixation with his car. That's one thing. But if it's just like, hey, here's <laughs> here's a casual day at work or in your car or at a dentist office or wherever it happens to be that you're just kind of hanging out and this nun ad shows up. <laughs> and that's the part where I'm just like, this, yeah, it's just a jerk move. And it, it's like I said, it, to me, that is the advertising equivalent of somebody like giving you a wedgie or something. There's like, Oh, come on. Yeah, I, Wedgies I, will scar. <laughs> I just, that is not going to scar you. It's over in two seconds. I mean, it's not even a big deal, right? But it, it, it but to me, it, it demonstrates everything I hate about those nun movies in general, uh, or the the Conjuring stuff. Is it's all like let's crank up the the violin trill and have something come out of the darkness, and that's that's what's going to pass as horror. 
and I'm just at a place in my life. <laughs> I'm at a place in my life, Jamie, um, where <laughs> I, I just don't find any of that scary. And even if it does make me jump, that's just, you know, a human reaction to something surprising you. I don't find it scary and I certainly don't attribute any level of art to it. It's just, yeah, you know, yet yeah, you got me, I guess, by doing something startling, but there's nothing, there, there is no craft to it. It is just, hey, if I slow the scene down enough and then have something jump out at you, then you're going to jump, you know, or, or you know, uh, uh, jerk in your seat or whatever it happens to be in the theater. But I don't think any of that is actually horror. I think that is, you know, like you were saying, it's just surprising somebody. And at a certain point when I'm watching a movie, I'm like, well, that's cool and all. You know, for like, if you want to do that to me once or twice, then I'm kind of okay with it. If you want to slip in a jump scare or two, I don't, that's fine. But when it turns out to be like, that is the main method of, of, uh, you know, scares for your movie. That's the point where I'm like, eh, I, I, thanks, but no thanks. I'll watch something that actually has a chance of making me think about it once I leave the theater, you know? And like a jump scare movie isn't something I I walk away from thinking, hey, that was a good movie. Let me pick like a hereditary. I don't know if there's a jump scare in that movie. And I find that far more effective than something like The Conjuring 2 that kind of trades in that market. But it, I mean, but it there's a potential jump you know, scare in hereditary. I, maybe but, one or two but again that's subtle, fine like near the end it's but it's subtle it's i mean it's not stupid maybe yeah and i think maybe that's the 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 right word for this is i like something that's a little bit it's, subtle you it's know sparingly well the, the thing that, is have some fucking I'm, restraint i'm really not enjoying <laughs> you talking about the waniverse as if it's like <laughs> Or something. Because like, it's not. Those are not on the same level. The Wanniverse movies are not. They don't trade in jump scares. They do have a couple of them in there. But the ones that they do have are earned. They're earned. And they're honest. And they're actually. It's not just a loud noise coming at you. There's something that that actually is in it. It's not the bullshit jump scares. Where you have people walk up behind their friend. And put their hand on their shoulder. You know, while there's a loud, dung, you know, and it's nothing. I mean, when they when James Wan goes to scare you, it's because there's something actually scary happening to me. There's a big difference. But anyway, yeah, I'm just talking about the marketing yeah. ploy. I think it's hilarious. I think it worked. It clearly worked. And um, that's all you can ask for from a marketing device. And. I think it's hilarious that people took time out of their day to complain about it. I mean, it's not, I just don't see. <laughs> that would totally I mean, be my if move. I, if like, if yeah, someone I had done that, I, I would have like emailed, I don't know, whoever, the whoever oh is releasing God. this thing and just being like, Hey, how about you don't be an asshole? <laughs> see why I have such better things to do with my life than complain about things like Dear Mr. YouTube how <laughs> you allow this to Did, be on your site Dear Mr. Tube yeah 
Um, but I was aghast today. <laughs> but it's also the cranky old man stage of my life where I've reached where if something really bothers me, then I do not necessarily fire off an email or whatever. But like I'm the guy who who phones the congressman and is like, hey, motherfucker. This is a real shitty thing to be doing, whatever that shitty thing happens to be. How about you knock it off? Like, I, I feel like I'm a participant, at least, in the, um, you know, the the <laughs> the political process and also the horror scene. So, yeah, <laughs> if I see if I see somebody doing something asshole-ish, then I call it out. You know, I try to, anyway, and just be like, look, I'm, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying... <laughs> think about Get on my lawn <laughs> yeah but I'm, I'm saying like think about why you are doing it and and what are the reasons it's, you know it's like when i watched that movie uh or when we watched terrifier that's a perfect example of a movie where i'm like i understand that you could do this as a movie i just don't understand why you would do this as a movie and i don't know grumble grumble <laughs> i guess um, well, I have one more story while you're grumbling, yes. Mr. Grumbling. <laughs> and that is Train to Busan sequel reportedly in early planning stages. You may or may not be excited about this, depending oh, upon the level of jump scares that were involved. I don't exactly remember how many <laughs> they were, but I do think this was a very good film. So, yeah, no, Train to Busan fucking rocks. I'm with you. That I, was awesome. Yeah. yeah. A possible sequel to the white knuckle zombie flick Train to Busan has reportedly begun boarding. <laughs> I get it. All K pop. All K pop. All the time. Reports that a representative for director Yo Sang Ho states a follow up to the undead thriller is currently in its early planning stages. While the original film mostly took place on a doomed train being overrun during a viral outbreak, the next film's focus. Is said to be is said to expand to the entire Korean Peninsula. Here's a clip from the article. We're planning to begin filming in the first half of next year. We still have not cast any actors, so we're still preparing a lot of different things. Wow, that's vague as fuck. Um, they go on to state the director has no plans to bring back any of the first film's original cast. The visceral train to Busan was a breakout hit in 2016 combining ferocious fast-moving zombies with a train ride to hell also with some really amazing characters and uh, a lot of heart yeah is yeah. what i pulled from that yeah i mean that's you know <laughs> to the point when you know of us talking about just kind of the styles of horror we like and whatnot train of busan would hit me in all the right ways like it had a lot of weird quirky characters that were really clever and funny and uh, at the end of the movie, like it, there are emotional stakes to it all, and right. yeah, I thought that movie was yeah. rad. Yeah, and I would love, I wouldn't mind seeing more of it as long as they, you know, if it's done with the same kind of care and agreed, and, you know, agreed. heart. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want them just to. I don't know. I mean, you know how it is with sequels. Yeah. Did so. you see the animated prequel he did? No. Uh, it's on Shudder. It's something station, Soul Station, maybe. Um, oh. And it's, I mean, as soon as I saw that and saw, you know, sort of how he was handling a prequel, 
I was like, oh, yeah, I can go ahead and make your sequel now. I just whatever you yeah. want to do in this universe, just I'm fine with it. It it's it's very cool. Like the animation style is neat, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. it, it's actually tense and still has an emotional hook. Like he understands that you have to have characters that you give something of a shit about, and and I don't know what his secret recipe is, but every time he's been at bad, he he's managed to nail that for me. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very exciting. I am. Oh, that guy is so good. Man, South Korean cinema is just one of the most exciting horror scenes going on right now. I agree with that. Yeah. Did you guys see The Wailing? Have we talked about that? Uh, I don't think we've talked about it, but yes. Oh, The Wailing's fucking good. Anyway. I've not not seen it yet. The Wailing might be better than Train to Busan. Um, it's, it's got more in common with something like hereditary Mm -hmm. than, than it does. Like train of Busan is an, a really, really kick-ass zombie film. Um, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling the movie by, by saying that it's just that that's, that's what it is. It's, it's a really, really great example of a, a zombie film done well. And the wailing is just kind of its own thing. It's, it's kind of it's almost hard to describe to somebody. Like if you're like, well, what is it about? Like, well, kind of, kind of the devil sort of. Right. Yeah. It just, um, I did really like it. I liked it a lot. Actually, there were several films that year or that uh, around that time that I really dug. Um, one, I think this one was Japanese though. The he's, I am not a hero, or I am a hero. Oh or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read the, uh, I've read the comic. I haven't, comic. I haven't seen was that, the film. Was that Japanese? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It is. Um, I tend to prefer the Korean films, but they're so long. <laughs> it's just so long, and like the wailing was so long, and but it was good. It just was kind of batshit at, at, at times, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? To me, I felt like Busan was um, just a stronger, straightforward narrative, but and it actually moved me on an emotional level. Whereas I don't feel like the wailing really did, although I enjoyed it, it a lot. It just didn't hit me like Train to Busan did. Yeah, I I, I get that. I just I, I, for me, it was it, like the wailing is one of those emotional journeys where you have a lead character who's kind of a dumbass and the fact that you see his failure coming a long way off and he can't escape it. I found to be really compelling. You know? Well, and there is that too, but don't you think it was kind of bad shit? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he is, but it, that's also like, he's just a character that can't ever get anything right. And whether it's, you know, his family or, uh his job like he's not great at his job he's not great at being a father he's not great at being a husband I, all of that stuff and just all of that human failing comes home to roost in that movie in a way that i think is just such a cool you know like it, chain of events like by the end of that movie you're like man the 
in in a lot of ways, there could not be a worse character to be involved in supernatural goings on. But that's also what makes it great, I think. Um, but you know, that's me. I, I the Wailing, I just think is one of those movies that if you haven't seen it, it's kind of required viewing. Even if you don't like it, it's like you've got to get that movie in your eyeballs just just so you know whether or not it, you like it or not. Um, because <laughs> um, if you do, it's going to rock your world. Uh, is that it? That was, was that the last story, JJ? That was it. That's all. I, and unless I skip something, but I, I'm yeah, pretty I, sure that's all I had. Yeah. All right. I thought you said that was the last story. Yeah, I I thought so too. I was just making sure. I don't want to step on on no toes around here. Yeah, that's it. Um. All right. Well, let's uh let's ask DTP some questions. We being the DTP. Um, <laughs> I think. Anyway, uh, Last Abraham. Time we checked. <laughs> right. I know we are, but what are you? The official exactly. DTP motto. Um, <laughs> that's not true. Sorry, everyone. Um. <laughs> But we do have some questions here. Abraham Ram, who had posed a ranking for us, uh, then asks, do you think it's possible for old school directors like Argento and Carpenter and, and folks like that to have a comeback? Or do you think they've just lost their touch? Wait, do we, what? That was a lot of talking. What was that? <laughs> do, do you think it's possible... For like the old school greats, Let, let's use Carpenter as an example here. Do you think it's possible for Carpenter to come back and be like release just a monster good horror film, or do you think at a certain point you just lose your touch and you're never going to be um, what you once were? Well, Craven did it when he did Scream, and I think people kind of figured he was done at that point, or at least I did. I I um. I mean, that was also 20 years ago, <laughs> but, and he's sadly dead now, but I, I kind of feel like you could, I think you could do it. I mean, I think Romero did it with Land. I know not everyone loves that movie, but I really do. So he did it for me anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like I honestly don't know if Carpenter could do it because I don't think Carpenter cares anymore. I think he's kind of done. Yeah, that's why I think he could. You know, I mean, if, he could. I think he has the 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 tools. He has the ability. I just don't know if he ever would. Right. That's the thing. I think if he ever got it, if he was like got it in his head, like I'm going to direct another movie, I, I and and with a, a sense of passion then I think it would probably be awesome. But that's the, that's the thing is Carpenter don't care at this point. And it's one of the things I love about him <laughs> in a lot of ways is that he's just like, yeah, whatever. Like they're going to cut me a check for this Halloween movie and bada bing, bada boom. I'm going to the bank. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say. I think that it's completely possible, but it's up to the individual. What do you do with it? Because there's some individuals that are going to get, like their ego is going to get so big that they're kind of feeling like, okay, I can rest on my laurels and they can get lazy. And yet, they, you know, they just don't want to put forth the effort. But then there are some who are like, okay, I, you know, I want to put my efforts, my energy into other projects. 
which Carpenter's doing much more his music now. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're right. If he wanted to go back, you know, and focus on film, he has the entire potential too. But yes, we all know there are other directors who are a lower tier, <laughs> perhaps to begin with that. Yeah. They're, they're done. Yeah. But for whatever, you know, for whatever other reason, they just, you know, their talent was talent has been tapped out. Yeah. And I would kind of also argue that it's just the inexorable march of time that people like Carpenter stop making classics to make way for, you know, the, the new direct, the new wave of directors, like your, your Mike Flanagan's and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm going to sound like a moron here, but like the guy who directed the Vitch and, you know, Robert Edgars. Yeah. Robert Eggers. And yeah, I mean, there's just a new, a new wave and, and eventually they will get old and die too. And there will be new horror directors. It's, you know, Hey, I'm in my, it's the, the circle <laughs> of life. Uh, and it moves us all. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yes, but absolutely. The same reason that George Miller, who is in his seventies can still make Fury Road, you know, like you don't have to be young to make a good movie, but that's when the fire's in your belly to do it. You can survive on less sleep. (laughs) That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you. That's, that counts for a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, and and it's one of the, the great things about getting older is that, you know, six hours will do you. Um, and eventually it'll be four. And that's the point where I start murdering. <laughs> um, I don't know. JJ, you want to add anything to that? I, I, I felt like we gave you a short trip there. No, I mean, I I tend to agree. All right. Uh, next question then, uh, Darren, uh, Wilson, you may know him says with summer coming to a close, what's your top school related horror movie? School related. Uh Uh-huh. As, as if you were going to learn something. School related. Um, Trying to think of any that aren't slashers, and I guess that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty much if there's a school involved, it's it's like a going to be a slasher, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, I mean, I don't know. Like, I love a lot of them, like Prom Night. You know, that's related to school. Scream is kind of related to school. It, it takes cool. place in it a lot. You know, um, I don't know. What yeah. do you got, Bo? Uh, I'm going to go The Faculty. That's kind of a fun Ooh, alien monster oh, movie. There you go. One. Yeah, I, I like that movie quite a bit. Uh, you know, I'm not as uh, crazy about slashers as, as perhaps you two are, so I like... No, uh, I'm not, but that's what pops... I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's what pops to my mind first, though. Yeah. right. There, you're right. There are a ton of them. Uh, when it comes to, you know, it's, it's so easy, right? It's, yeah you, you know, you just use the school stereotypes and bada bing, bada boom. Uh, you got yourself 
a uh, you know, you got your jock, you got your well, nerd, you got your. What about something version. like Suspiria? Uh, yeah, it's a dance yeah. academy. I guess that counts. Yeah, technically. Or um, the Black Coat's daughter. Black Coat's daughter's real good. That's a fine choice. That I'm throwing that out there specifically for Dave because I just trashed Pretty Thing. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I recently trashed it in a thread. Well, I didn't really trash it, but you know, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of I'm the Pretty Thing that lives in the house, but I'm a giant fan of the Black Coat's daughter. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's I, I think that movie is uh, <laughs> things happen in it. Unlike I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house. <laughs> I just, I don't even God with that movie. Um, but yeah, so I think that I think black coat starter would be a good example of a school horror. I think Suspiria would be a good example of school related. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. So if we're going, you know, if we're including stuff like that, you know, just thinking outside the box of school, then I may go with Suspiria. Yeah, I think that, I mean, if you expand it in the way like that, that Suspiria totally, I think, works better. To be non, like, pure, I, yeah, I just think so many slasher movies. Yeah, it's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Suspiria. Yeah, like, Graduation Day. Right. And you're, you're right, Prom Night, like, Carrie. Oh, Carrie! Oh, shit! Oh damn! <laughs> oh snap! Oh, but these fuck. are like, but they're Man, also more Carrie's spring diploma. movies. No, I changed my answer. I'm going to Carrie. Yeah, Carrie, I, Carrie. yeah. I mean, I get that. Like, yeah. But those, I, I I'm also I, for some reason I was thinking this is more like what is school like in autumn or another season? What because is, those those other movies seem to me such like spring and like graduation type movies. As far as school goes. Well, you know that, but why? It's because nothing happens all school year until you get to prom and graduation and shit. You know, so like, unless they Uh, want to make like a homecoming, you know, um, which student bodies. Yeah. (laughs) That's a fun one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Speaking of Suspiria, how about that trailer, though? I, You know what? I think that movie continues to look really, really really good. Yep. Me too. I'm very excited. I know. I know that there are those who are like, you can't, you, you can't remake a classic like Superior, uh, Suspiria, and I'm like, eh, I think if yeah. you did, this might be the way to do it. Hey, I've even had uh, like Dave is a huge Suspiria fan, huge, huge, and he even says, you know, he's like, you know, eh, this looks pretty damn good to me. So I, I've I've come across very few people who feel. Um, like insulted by the fact that someone mm-hmm. wants to remake this movie. And that kind of surprises me. I, I really expected a lot more outcry yeah. and I haven't seen it. Not very much. So, yeah, but it looks damn good. It really does. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's doing all the right things. And, and the fact that they were like, Oh, the original cut for this is like three and a half hours long. And I'm like, good. That, that means that they had a lot of story. Uh, and a lot of a lot of crazy shit that they wanted to do, and if the fact that they had to cut some of it is, I'm kind of fine with it. Yeah. Uh, we shall see. Uh, let's see. 
Court Psyops says, what horror film is your go-to for counteracting depression? What is, what is Jamie, what is your feel-good horror movie? I have two. Either Day of the Dead or The Omen. <laughs> Both uh, feel-good movies, yeah. Yeah, well, for whatever reason, if I'm, if I, those have both been things that I have used in the past when I've either felt like if I was sick and I was really down or if I was just in a really bad mood. Day of the Dead and The Omen will always make it better. And I have other ones that will also do the trick, but those are the ones that I immediately think of when I immediately go to. Oddly, you know, because you might think, oh, Jaws or, you know, Rosemary's Baby or, you know, movies that I talk about more frequently. For whatever reason, if I'm feeling down, I want to watch The Omen. Dominoes! Cheesy <laughs> <laughs> <Jizzy> poofs! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's silly. Um, yeah, I I think mine is probably man. I I really really like Night of the Creeps. I I think that might be my uh, my my go to. That's a good one. I mean, it's definitely a feel good movie. Or well, I mean, it, not the end. It's very depressing but it's um uh, you know it's fun yeah it just uh, it all makes me very very happy uh when i when i watch that film and um yeah it's it's it, that's probably my favorite and what was it what was yours vanessa i'm sorry um it goes back and forth between probably no surprise uh psycho and rosemary's baby yeah, Psycho's real good. That I've that's the movie I've seen the most in my life. Any genre. <laughs> John asks, "What's your favorite retro horror film?" Uh, Jamie, what's your what's your favorite retro horror uh, movie? Define retro horror. Uh, you know, I was just gonna say the same thing. I you know I think it's Lucy Goosey. Let's say anything pre nineteen seventy. Let's go. Let's go back that far. Pre nineteen seventy, that's fucking tough. I'm probably, uh, man. You could go like Night of the Living Dead. You could go Universal. You could go Hammer. You got to make a choice, or we, we I'm, shoot a puppy. I'm, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go Rosemary's Baby. All right, Rosemary's. Is that, yeah, I guess that's sixty nine. 68? That's 68. All right. Uh, yeah, all right. I'm 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 with it. Uh, Vanessa, you can't pick Psycho twice in a row. That's a rule I made up. <laughs> Rosemary's baby, then. <laughs> oh, very sneaky. Um, I, I'm just being honest. Yeah, no, no, no. I get it. I would go... Um, I think mine would be them. Yeah, I, I, that's a good one. I really, really like them a lot. That that is a movie I can watch just about any time. Um, all right. I think. Let's see what else we got on the table. Jamie, yeah, Jamie, we got yours. Um, Derek says. Now here's a question of questions. Are you a fan of Euro horror? And if you had to choose one country in Europe, 
which one would it be? And also, what is your favorite film of said country? So let, let's distill this down to, I, I assume all of us like Euro horror to one degree or another, right? Like, is anybody just like, fuck Europe right in their European <laughs> butt? No, absolutely not. Well, I mean, unless you like, you know, butt fucking, but sure. <laughs> right. In, yeah. in, unless they, Europe is into it and we know well, they I mean, are. Right. It's got to be consensual, though. So, all right. Yeah, right. Consensual right. European butt sex is and great. Safe. Yeah, yeah <laughs> sure. Safe. Yeah. SSE, safe saying consensual. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Jamie, what is your favorite country your, in, in terms of horror production, and what is your favorite movie from said country? Oh, man. Narrowing it down to my favorite film is a really difficult thing to do, but I have a big soft spot for Norwegian films. Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, um, I know, like, everyone's expecting, like, Italy, and yet, no. Um, Norwegian films do it for me. Things like uh, Troll Hunter, um, ah, man, there was a a, a spate of them. What's that guy's name? I can't remember his name. He made things like The Lift, and... um, mm. Or as it was known, Der Lift. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, he did a lot of, like... Some of them were kind of schlocky, you know, back in the day, but whatever. They're super fun. I, um, then there's things like, um, yeah, kind of Norway and Sweden <laughs> kind of marry together. Um, I love things like Cold Prey. I don't know. Sure. I don't know what my favorite would be, but definitely films of the, or, oh, and then like, then like Dead Snow. All right. Things of the not. I was about to say things of the Nazi zombie variety. No, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say <laughs> uh, horror films of the like of the Norwegian that whole area. You know, there's a word, there's a word for that. Nordic? No, that's not. Whatever. Anyway, Nordstroms. You know I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Um, the word I'm trying to think of, and because I'm me, I can't Nordic. think of it. Nordic? Oh, Scandinavian? That Scandinavian, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, you get my drift here. Yeah, your your snow drift. Snow drift. Oh, damn it. <laughs> maybe we are sharing a brain now, Bo. Well, well Scary done. times. <laughs> okay. Uh, Vanessa, how about you? I would say Italy and Suspiria. Yeah, has a, I have a huge soft spot for that film. Yeah, I get that. Um, I, I would probably, yeah, I would say Italy as well. Although mine would probably be something silly like, you know, House by the Cemetery or... I love yeah. that movie. The yeah. Beyond or something like that. Like one of the Fulci gore fests that don't make no sense, but it's just filled <laughs> with great visuals and people puking up their intestines and whatnot. I That's... love House by the Cemetery. That movie's fucking fun. Yeah, I mean, they're they're nonsense. But yeah. I, I, it's the kind of... Like, I think when horror works best, I think Suspiria falls in this category too is when it hits you on that kind of reptile brain level where you can't you can't exactly define what it is that's terrifying about it but it's something 
and, right. and it really fucks with your head. Um, all right. And there's something primal there. Right. There, right. There's just something uncanny uh, mm-hmm. is a great word for it. I think, um, Abraham asks us, uh, do you think a phantasm Hellraiser crossover could have worked? Pinhead and the Tall Man are two of the most powerful characters in horror and both have the ability to warp reality. This is a real, like, Thor versus the Hulk kind of question. <laughs> um, that I, 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 and I'm hesitant to even say yes to this, even though I think that would make for a fun movie. It's just, you know, it's the Freddy versus Jason thing of like, that sounds so much better on paper than the execution of it would be. And I would almost rather read any of the number of fan fiction accounts online than I would see the movie. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Phantasm Hellraiser crossover? Is that something that you would be interested in? Or if you could go back, you know, to 1988 and and make that happen? I can kind of see where that could be interesting. I mean, you know... Sphere versus lament configuration. Um, that's a kind oh, of funny. paper scissors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny because those are like two iconic, you know, instruments in, in horror. But like little, I always think of them at this like together. You know, for whatever reason. So I can actually, I can think of many ways that in my brain that I could tie those two movies together or those two characters together, and I think it could probably work. Something I never actually considered doing, but I don't think it would suck. I don't think it would suck, says Jamie. Vanessa. <laughs> um, I think I, I, I really, yeah, I, I, I agree with you both, you guys. I think that, I think it's a very interesting concept, but I think it would be very easy to fuck it up. <laughs> and so, yes, it might just be a better idea on paper. <laughs> yeah I, as so many things are like you know it's it, i i think that for everyone who you know it's like right. the tucker and dale sequel i was talking about earlier or even a sequel to behind the mask which i would love to see i would absolutely go see that but right. i don't think it's necessary and i think it might be a bad idea um but you know we, we shall see um did we all chime in? yeah we all got in on that um Don Anelli says, do you think this uh, recent spate of drama-heavy horrors, like It Comes at Night and Hereditary, will tire audiences out eventually and pave the way for more brainless genre fare to counter it? Or will that theme theme thrive due to audiences wanting more depth and substance in their films? Jamie, do you think the recent spate of drama-heavy horrors will tire audiences out eventually? I hope not. I mean... Are we going to be talking about prestige horror again? Cause... No, I, 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 <laughs> we, certainly we don't have to, and that's not you know where I was trying I just, to lead us. I, I, here's the thing: is I don't see the distinction that everyone keeps talking about as far as like we've never seen this movies like this before. Um, right. As far as I'm concerned, they've always been there, and it's I, I don't. No, I don't think they're going to tire people out because people who love horror will always love a good story. And that's what drives any of these films. And if you feel like they're more dramatic than some other films, it's probably because they have really strong characters and a really strong story. And because of that, who the hell's going to get tired of that? So, um, no, I don't think so. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, uh... And it's not like they're not making brainless shit right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's so so they're always going to make that. So it's nice when they can make an alternative. I I mean, I feel like we are. I think there's room for both. Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Right Right now now. we're. Yes, we are in. We are in a world where there are such great horror films available that. I, I like I'm just savoring it all that hey about once or twice a year since probably the Babadook was really in my mind the start of it that yeah. you know once or twice a year something comes along that just is fucking amazing mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm you know I don't know I like I I don't I don't understand. It, there's plenty of room. It's flavors, right? It's 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 whatever you're into. And I love plenty of brainless, dumb horror films. Like we're going to talk about at least one tonight. Um, that I I don't know that it's a terribly smart movie, but I I kind of <laughs> like it. And uh, you know, I, I like that's the reason I watch stuff like Lake Placid and stuff like that. It's just it's dumb fun, and I I have a great time with it. But, yeah, I mean, good Lord, if, if you were giving me the desert island choice of you get to watch Lake Placid or the Vavitch, then I right. you know, I know where it, I land on that. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, fortunately, we don't have to make that choice. And, yeah, I mean, I think as long I, – I don't – at some point, yes, the pendulum will swing and you won't see, you know, the so-called prestige horror films – given as much press, they will still exist like they always have. It's just going to be a question of, are they the flavor of the moment, which they are right now? And as we talked about with, you know, (laughs) directors and all that stuff, time, time will pass. Things will change because that's how time works. And yeah, I mean, there, there will be a day where teen slashers are the popular form of entertainment again. I don't know when it'll be. Hopefully I'll be dead, but at some point that will happen. (laughs) So, um, uh, Andrew asks, uh, Andrew Huff, uh, says, what fall release are you most looking forward to? Speaking of what, uh, what fall release is, uh, is tickling your fancy fall release. When's Suspiria out? I mean, right. That Halloween. I really want Halloween and Halloween and Suspiria are the only things I really am like, I want to see. Yeah, I I think. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with. I also want to see the nun. I want to see the nun, too, but I'm kind of like, eh, I'll get around to it. Right. That'll (laughs) as you know, I just love religious horror and one's not awful, but I'm not. He's hit or miss. For me. Yeah, trailer's not doing it any favors for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen that trailer a number of times, which does in, very much involve the shrieking violin jump scare. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, all right. I'll, I'll like, like you say, I'll see it at some point because yeah. I'm a dummy. Um, yeah, Suspiria is my guy. I'm not that excited about Halloween. The the trailers I've seen for it have kind of put me off of it. Um. I don't I don't necessarily like the I I don't like the storyline that they're presenting in that movie of Laurie's been 
you know, Terminator tuning it up for all these years waiting for Michael to get out. I'm like, eh, I'm just not that interested in that. I'd, I'd be, yeah. I'd be far more interested if they were doing a straight up reboot of it where it's like, Hey, we're just going to have a dude killing babysitters and let's, let's see how yeah. we can do that in a modern context. But you're into it, Jamie. Are you are you, like the, the uh, Halloween, the trailer is, is firing you up. I mean, um, I wouldn't say fired up. <laughs> I am excited. To, like, interest has been peaked. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely curious to see what's happening, and I'm kind of ready for a, a new Halloween film. Like, I think it, I think it, you know, and I'm hoping. Really, what I'm hoping for is that this time of year, it'll kind of like I hope to I hope that it has that Halloween feel. You know that fall right Halloween time feel to it so I'm excited about that and seeing something like that in the theater I just hope it doesn't fuck me (laughs) (laughs) agreed safe saying consensual Jamie uh uh, yeah I'm kind of yeah um I I I agree uh is is the point of all that um but yeah Suspiria is my my jam yeah um I'm right there with you. I think, oh, I think that looks real good. Uh, okay, two more quick questions. Uh, Maddie from Friday the 13th says, you know, in an attempt to in no way advertise his own show, he says, <laughs> you know that Friday, Friday the 13th covers hashtag horror in real life. You fucking publicist son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> he says, I'm wondering what you folks find most terrifying in the world these days. Uh um what is this podcast that shamely shamelessly promote themselves on other podcasts yeah that's a real jerk move (laughs) (laughs) kidding maddie i'm kidding i love you guys um um honestly it's the direction that we're going and i'm not gonna get political here i'm not i'm not gonna like open any giant can of worms i'm just it's gonna be very vague but basically the direction that we're going where we're st- uh, starting to get to the point uh, I feel like we might be sliding down that slope of just free speech going out the window you know like I think we're getting a little too hands on with what people are and aren't allowed to say and to me that's a very dangerous place to tread you don't have to like what everyone says there, you know, there's no law against it. Then it's okay to be offended on occasion. It won't kill you. I, to me, I would much rather have the right and the opportunity to express myself than make sure every single person is comfortable all the time. To me, that's just more important, but, and to me, it's getting kind of scary. So that's me. All right. Political. Yeah, no, no, no. It's fine. I, I mean, look, but the politics is fucking horrifying right now. I'm, I'm with you, uh, Vanessa. How about yourself? How much time do you have? <laughs> All the time um, in the world. If it's, if it's about how terrible the world is, Grandpa Bo has a long list himself. So, not scaring uh, me off. Um, it, it's not just the past couple years. However, I will say in the past couple years, because of some of the political 
type things going on, my anxiety and depression levels had raised incredibly because there's so many different things that groups of us, and I'm talking about in the United States, but you can see it in other countries as well. But I'm speaking specifically United States right now. Um, there's so many different rights and things that we have fought very hard for and to see them being repealed and now the fact of here I am I've been an activist well I haven't had a lot of time over the past few years because of work and and some health stuff I've been an activist for god how old am I now? a good 25 plus years and I can't believe still having to fight for some of this shit and I just, the fact, I, I, to see people spew bigotry and hatred around it without disregard for hum, fellow human beings, I just, that in a nutshell, without going into details, um, yeah, I, that's a true horror. I mean, the thing yeah. is, people are people. They're never going to change. That is that is human nature. And uh, I don't like it. I don't like it either. Right. I don't. You know, and I wish that it, we weren't like that there as is a species. Something that has gotten, though, it, there's something that's been, fi- fires that have been poked. And, yeah, it just... I mean, you see it like rise of hate groups, the rise of violence against different, you know, minorities and things like I. You do see yeah. that, but you also see it. And this is what disturbs me is you see it from the other side, too. You see people who not nah, God damn it. Here we go. <laughs> you see people who who think it's OK to like beat the shit out of someone because they just happen to be walking down the street wearing a jacket with a swastika on it. When I don't, uh, I'm kind of on board Nazis. with that. I don't like <laughs> Nazis. I don't. But having the apparel is not yeah. the same thing as doing some bodily harm to someone. And you thinking it's okay to inflict bodily harm on that person because you don't agree with them. How does right. that make you any better? Well, well but, but there's always, How? but there's always been a limit to free speech. You know, it's the idea of you can't cry fire in a crowded theater because you're endangering right. the yeah. population. And, yeah. and if you are, whether it's the internet or you're, you know, you've got a megaphone in your hand, if you are inciting people to do violence or to embrace a hatred that we as a society have fought a war to stop then i think that's okay like i'm i you're right on uh, like on on paper i think you're absolutely right that somebody who puts a swastika on their jacket and and goes out shouldn't get the shit beat out of them but the point that that crosses a line for me like you should be able to get swastika tattoos and blah 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 but as soon as that's your thing sure whatever sure but as soon as you pick up a a microphone or a megaphone and start saying that if you have brown skin you need to get out of this country that's or you the, need to be killed right then that's a point where i don't 
think free speech, you can't hide behind free speech at that point because what you're doing is you are trying to incite people to violent action. And, and it's the same thing. You like, yes, that's not what I'm, that's not even what I'm talking about though. I mean, there is a, I'm talking about, and that's not, if that were the only speech that people were attempting to shut down, I wouldn't have any problems. The, the problem and the disturbing part is it goes much deeper than that. And it goes much farther than that. And it goes, I mean, and yes, we've seen some really nasty things happen on, on one side, on the far right side. But we also see some really nasty things happen on the far left. I, like, for instance, I'm not a fan of Milo. Not a fan. But when you get to the point where he's going to have, like, he's going to go talk and people are just going to listen to him talk and he, they have to cancel it because of death threats or not even just death threats, but actual physical attacks, we have a fucking sure. problem. Yeah, no, I, I And it's not coming from his side. And I'm not a fan. It's not like I'm defending what he says. I'm defending his right to say it. Because the moment we no longer yes. have the right to say those things, that's when we're in real fucking trouble. So it's just you I don't think violence as an answer is ever okay. And not yeah. to not unless you're not unless you're actively defending yourself. Yeah. Like right. from from other violence. If you come at me with violence, you can expect violence in return. Yeah. But you you know, I don't think it's okay for me to hit you over the head with something because I don't like the words that you use. I just don't. It depends on so, the words again. I mean, I, I, I'm, no, I mean, there is some, yeah. That, I mean, you can't, I, I don't think you can blanket say, hey, anything that I say because I believe it and it's not intended. Like my, and this gets to the thing that bothers me. I'll, I'll, I'll throw my hat in this ring, which is the, the problem that I have and the thing that I, I think is most harmful is this notion of entitlement that people have that somehow the world has to bend to fit their worldview. And I think that does go both ways, you know, whether, whether you're, well, that's anybody, right. That's you just, you have to accept that you are one small speck of Mm -hmm. humanity in, in a sea of it. And that you have to have a general respect for your fellow man. And you have to appreciate that, you know, like, do I, do I agree with, your average Trump supporter about anything political? Probably not. But I also don't knee jerk think that that is, that person is a terrible person. Um, exactly. I mean, that's yeah. And that we have a lot of that going on, right? It's, you know, know, and, and I think I would argue, or at least because I, I am a progressive, I think there is more of that or my experience has been there's more of that on the right in terms of like we want to we really want to get one over on the liberals you know and and say intentionally infuriating or in in uh uh inflammatory things that it it's sort of you know owning the libtards kind of thing and that's the stuff where I'm like no 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 you don't understand you're not hurting the progressives cuz they don't give a shit like they're they believe what they believe what you're hurting is discourse and the ability to say, Hey, I disagree with you, but we can still be friendly. And once you lose that distinction, that, that someone's ideology is separate from the quality of their character. That's the thing that's dangerous. I, I completely agree with that. 
interestingly, like from, <laughs> from where I sit, I've actually seen more and I ride pretty much straight down the middle. I'm actually, I have recently discovered that I'm apparently what is called a, oh shit, what is it? A, oh, a classical liberal or a classic liberal, um, Basically, I'm like old school liberal. Um, well, when I say old school, I mean like 20 years ago. You know, it's um, <laughs> uh, which basically kind of puts me in the little, maybe a little closer to the left these days. Um, I'd say more, yeah, definitely closer to the left. But the far left scares the shit out of me, and so does the far right. Um, either so, I'd rather just you know, I kind of like it in the middle lane uh, because to me, it's the only place that makes any sense right now. Well, to um, to quote Mr. Miyagi, left lane, good. Right lane, good. Middle of the road, <laughs> squish like grape. I And you know what? It's true. And that's really scary, too. So, yeah. Um, I, I, one doesn't know what to do anymore. But I do know that my classical liberal values are very old-fashioned, apparently. And they don't really... Um, like newer liberals don't don't seem to understand it or don't get behind it well b- um, because they're playing for a team and not fighting for what they feel is right you know well, see, and that's yeah i mean i guess that's the thing is my my worldview has always been the same and has never changed and has always been be who you want to be allow others to be who they want to be and just leave everybody the fuck alone. Yeah. That has always sure. been my worldview. You yeah. know, just let other people do what other people are going to do and don't hurt anyone else. That's, you know, yeah. I don't really see how that's so hard. But also, uh, I'm, I'm of the mind that if you call yourself a libertarian, you shit or get off the pot. That's, I, I think that is the coward's way out. Um, because libertarians are just liberal Republicans. And that's what those used yeah. to be called. Yeah. And and liber- libertarian is not its own thing. You're just a a long dead wing of the Republican Party, but you could bring it back. How great it would be to have like Richard Daly-esque liberal Republicans again. <laughs> you know? Um but that's, you know, that's a dream for another day. Um not for me, but that's but I, then again, I'm a socialist, so what do we know? Well, I'm uh, you and I are in the same boat. I, you know, when when people like you see a lot of commentary these days about like, well, are these democratic socialists going to pull the Democratic Party too far left? I'm like, yes, please, because we have been drifting they're right. Not, they're not really socialists. Sorry, folks. <laughs> right, you, like not that much. <laughs> right, democratic socialists are basically just European socialists, which means. There's some regulation on business and people get education and health care. And that's kind of it, you know, <laughs> uh, anyway, that's, a, we'll, <laughs> we'll do this on uh psychosemantic sometime. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. But, yeah. Darren uh, and I, Darren and I just recorded black Klansmen over there. I haven't seen that yet. I'm dying to though. Oh, that movie so looks so good. good. I'm, so good. All right. All right. So, uh, last question of the evening. Derek asks, uh, if you can choose one film to do a commentary on, what would it be? For me, it would be The Green Slime. I would be singing the theme song the whole time. Lol, he says. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that comes from my personal place of of giddy, because I know how much Bo hates that. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not my jam. But... (laughs) 
but yeah, like if we were going to do a commentary, what, what what would your vote be? Hmm. I think. Oh, the bloody pit of horror. I've always wanted to do a commentary on that movie, and it is hilarious. Like yeah. it is so hilariously over the top. It's phenomenal. I I think I'm on board with that. I I think I'm just gonna say yes. Let's let's do bloody pit of horror someday. <laughs> I think sure. that's. A- <laughs> no, 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 no! You get a vote here. <laughs> Whatever. All right. You well, know I'm game. Bloody pit of horror. Uh, the the next. <sighs> I mean, Fucking God. Socialist. Who on? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> right. What, what what is good for for the most people? <laughs> right. I'm not saying I, I would be sober there. while I'm doing this. Nobody. Mind you. Nobody would. <laughs> no, 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 no! No one would expect you to be, or any of us to be. I, I, I don't. I think it'd be more fun if it if we weren't. Yeah, sure. yeah, of course. Um, all right, that's the end of Ask DTP, uh, folks. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with the listener pick pick selected from the Wheel of Devour uh, recently, uh, and that film is He Never Died. We'll be right back. You should join us for a ride. Oh, Get out of my house. How are you doing today, Jack? I. We need to talk. Do you have anything aside from being ambiguous and hostile? Hi. Hello. Who's Andrea? You never mentioned a daughter. We just met a few hours ago. So what do you want to do today? Bingo. I-20. You're kind of out there, aren't you? Get out! Jack is beginning to think that you just crawled out of the ground. I was shocked to find out you had a kid. They have Andrea. Why is he looking at me like that? What are you doing? Have you seen a young lady with a lip ring in here today? What's she look like? A young lady with a lip ring. Hey! Are you Derek? Yeah, motherfucker. How old are you? I have no idea, but I'm in the Bible if that means anything. I'm known as King. Probably just gonna go kill another room full of people. You are? Probably. Come on! I'm getting you out of here. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to tear you apart. And eat you. It's not because I want to. But I have to. Let me die! Folks, welcome back. Uh, we Our first film we'll be discussing this evening is the 2015 film He Never Died. It's directed and written by Jason Krawcheck, Krawcheck uh, I sure. want to say. Something like that. Something to do with crotch. Uh, definitely not. <laughs> nef- definitely not public hair. Um, 
This movie stars uh, Henry Rollins as Jack, who you may remember from Black Flag and the Rollins Band, uh, as I do. And that is not a complaint. Um, Boo Boo Stewart uh, plays Jeremy. Kate Greenhouse as Kara. Jordan Tedosi as Andrea. And uh, David Richmond Peck as Steve. And then after that, uh, a bunch of a bunch of you know no name characters essentially. Um, I'm sorry. Did you say Boo Boo Stewart? Boo Boo yeah, Stewart. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, from mm. uh, the Twilight films. The Twilight movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why I don't know it. Okay, yeah. never mind. Werewolf boy. He was being courted for a film I wrote that never got produced, but he, oh. he was in the conversation. Is why I know him. Um, the synopsis for the film is Jack, a social outcast is thrust out of his comfort zone when the outside world bangs on his door and he can't contain his violent past. Uh, the long and short of it is a Every daughter. Day of my life. Yeah. A daughter that he did not know he had shows up to upend his regularly scheduled life where he has found a very particular balance. So uh, what is... Uh, your take on He Never Died, uh, Vanessa. This was my second time saying it, and I, I enjoyed it. But I will say, watching it this time, and I'll watch anything with Henry motherfucking Rollins, just because it's Rollins. Right. You know? And he's, for me, the reason I was like, I wanted to see this to begin with admittedly but it is a better movie than just okay it's Rollins um but this time watching it what I kept thinking of here and there I kept thinking of the movie Dogma the Kevin Smith movie Uh Uh (laughs) where you have these angels and demons and other biblical ethereal characters roaming around in the everyday modern world and I guess the humor in this, it's obviously not as slaps. It's not slapstick in the way that a Kevin Smith movie is. And this is definitely more action. So they're not the, the exact same thing. But for some reason, the comedic moments kind of hit me harder this time. And it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but it, it just kind of... I don't know. It just struck me that why didn't I see the, why didn't I think of dogma necessarily the first time? <laughs> I don't know. But the, this movie has one of the best lines where the girl woman who shows up and his daughter that he didn't know he had, who's nine, 19, right? I think they, yeah, something they like that. She's adult. Something yeah. about that. She's about 19. And she shows up in the bar or whatever, and he's asking, like, how she gets drunk. And she, you know, after she has no money, she's like, vaginas are like coupon books for alcohol. Yes. I'm like, that is the best line, and it's so fucking true. <laughs> it's so true. I, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting take on these different kinds of beings as far as ha- what happened, like, are the, was the in, in the possibility of okay maybe the Bible was written and there are these supernatural creatures because it seems like in a way like okay is he vampire like 
it's never on. I, I don't think. I mean, there are, there are a lot of different, I think there are multiple interpretations you could take with it, but it, it brings open the question of, could you explain away if supposedly vampires, whatever supernatural beings exist, is that really these characters that we saw in the Bible and not, were they not, you know, were maybe as people of that time thought they were, oh, glorious gods, angels, or demons when really they were some sort of other being. I don't know. It's an interesting thought, uh, which I enjoy that. And I do enjoy that he has as his regular activity, like that he, that his thing that he does is going to the Catholic bingo hall. Um, I have spent many, many nights at a Catholic bingo hall <laughs> myself. <laughs> Um, that's what happened during my parents' divorce. My dad always would drag me to, yeah, Catholic bingo. And, uh, so it just kind of, to see him with the, the, the whole father-daughter moment where he's taking her to his bingo, and that's what he does. It just kind of made me have a little sentimental moment for my own father, and just kind of made me giggle. You say but, Catholic bingo, and I picture cards with things like guilt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would have been awesome. Would have been Altar so boys. Awesome. <laughs> Hail Mary. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been so awesome. <laughs> oh goodness. But I don't I don't know. It's it's still not a movie that I'm just so blown away by. But I, I enjoy it because the action, there's a steady, a certain steady amount of action. And it doesn't, even though there's humor, it doesn't come across as slapsticky and, and cheesy. And yeah, I don't know. Jamie, what about uh, okay. you? How did you feel about He Never Died? Well, this is also the second time I've seen this. The first time. Um, we watched it was God, like a year ago or more, maybe it was just a random find on Netflix. And, um, Brian doesn't really let me do that anymore. Like he doesn't let me pick, <laughs> but this was one that I did. I, I like this movie. I do. I, I love Henry Rollins. I think he sells the shit at his character. I enjoy, I think his character is the best part of this film. Like him. Yes his portrayal of this character, his delivery of the lines, his whole, you know, I mean, his whole interaction with the girl and you know, like when he first finds out about it and like his whole, just his demeanor. I mean, he, he can be such a bastard, but it's so funny that you, it's, that it's endearing, you know? Um, what I did, uh, another thing I, I, I did like that we, you know, like you're watching the film when, when you haven't seen it before, when it's the first <laughs> time you're, you're going, is he a vampire? Is he like, cause I spent the whole time just assuming he was some kind of vampire ish type thing. Um, and then when you actually find out who he is at the end of the film, on one level, I really like that uh, as much as I, because I really dig, uh, for instance, the whole Judas angle of Dracula 2000. That's one of my favorite things about that movie. A lot of people really hate that angle of that film. I like it for that reason. But 
so finding out who he is at the end of this film, and I don't know if we're spoiling it or not, so that's why I'm being very vague, but um, finding out who he is at the end of this film, on one hand, I really like it. I'm like, well, that's fun because I've never seen anyone do anything with that character before like this. That's kind of a cool idea. On the other hand, it raises more questions than it really answers in, in a lot of respects, like the, like the scars on his back. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he is Wings. who he... No, I know, but that doesn't make sense if he right. is who he is. Being who he's supposed to be, that makes no sense. Right. So that's why I'm saying it raises questions, because I know what they're supposed to imply, but it doesn't make sense with who his character is. Exactly. Right, but at the end of the day, it's sort of like, well, this is all very very hazy in terms of his origin. Like you can argue that the first, you know, like it wasn't Kane the, one of the first sins, not the biting of the apple and whatnot, which was all a lady's fault. Am I right, fellas? But, (laughs) (laughs) but, but it was, you know, uh, leave it to man to, to commit the first murder though. Um, Oh, well, sure. But, but yeah, I mean, there's the idea of uh, just putting that out there. The what the Anaki or whatever they're called that you know the, these were like the 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 first humans that were still graced with a sense of the divine, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it is a little weird, but also, eh, who cares? This like this movie is not taking itself super seriously, and it's not being dogmatic about. Well, that's- that's yeah, and that's kind of the thing that it, when like you when you walk away from it, ultimately I like it because I like that. I like I think it's kind of original and and interesting and and you know okay you know I think it's cool. Um, it's it's a good take on that. I mean, a good spin on that. I mean, as far as like oh, that's kind of what is going on here. Even though yes, right. you're right. There's still questions. That are unanswered. Yeah, I mean, it, but, yeah, I mean, if it's like, oh, now, okay, I like that you went down that path. Different. I do, yeah, and and I guess in a sense, it's okay to play with that because, sure, um, well, God knows everybody else has over the centuries, so why not? <laughs> I mean, it's uh, are there any? I mean, is it really a sin? Uh, you know, no pun intended there, but is it really a sin to? to kind of take something and and go in your own direction with it or even if it you know if it is or isn't canon does it really matter and I don't know I mean I kind of at the end of the day I'm like well you know what that's an original take on something so I'm gonna go with that and and I think it's kind of cool so it didn't you know I can understand if someone out there was you you know gonna be very upset if it wasn't totally canonical I, however, am not that person. So I was well, good with it. It's like pe- to me, it's like people getting mad putting Shakespeare in modern times. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you can do it. It doesn't change the story or different aspects of the character. And also to see how that character might relate in today's society. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I don't I don't think so either. And ultimately, I really like the idea of a punishment so severe 
that it has lasted literally millennia. Yeah. I well, think, that's what it was I, supposed to be. Yeah, I think that that is kind of horrifying, you know, but in a very cool way. Yeah. So overall, I dug it. And Kane was, well, never mind. <laughs> and I also, I'm yeah, not gonna I, say anything. I thought of Dogma as well. I agree. I mean, the humor is very different humor than it is in Dogma. And that's not really what, what made me think of it. What made me think of it was basically, like you said, you know, biblical characters walking around and well, and the interacting. And, but it was the cat and mouse game that was played between the quote unquote good guys and bad guys to some extent. And the hunt looking for, I'm going to go look for you, you know. And try to get back at you or, you know, try to contain you and your power, you know, your powers. I also love the fact that Henry Rollins was able to take this character who basically murders people on a regular basis. Um, And is, you know, he has been sort of, in a way, that's kind of Dracula 2000, you know, in a sense, too. But anyway, he is... Basically, he's done some really horrible things and continues to do some really horrible things. And and he is in the position he's in because of something really horrible that he did. At the same time, he is so endearing as a character. (laughs) And I love him so much, just who he is and the way he the, the way he presents himself. I like it when a character can make me do that. You know, that's one of the things I like about the Fireflies and Devil's Rejects. Yeah, you know they're they're horrible people, but I but I somehow really have fun they being around them, you know. Well, yeah, and somehow they pull off moments of where you actually do feel sympathy for them, you know. Yeah, I mean they manage at times to even be noble. Yes, it, you know, and it takes us, you know, it takes a special kind of delivery to pull that shit off. Yeah, there, there's something I genuinely love about a character, particularly, like, I think the Fireflies are close. I think the difference there is they're gleefully going about the evil that they do, and he is trying so damn hard not to be mm-hmm. a murderous monster, and yeah. people just keep pushing him towards it, and, like... The the scene where the dudes, you know, the kind of thugs bust in and, and try to give him the business, and he just dispatches them as quickly and efficiently as possible so that he can just get back to trying to get some zen again. <laughs> and even him saying, like, when the girl shows up and it's like, I'm your daughter, he's like, yeah, I don't care. And when when he talks to her mother and he <laughs> just says, why didn't you tell me about this? And she's like, well, you took off. And he just goes, I hate you. And there is no, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> there is no judgment. Uh, it's just a simple statement of fact of I made a mistake and I hate you as a person. I, His voice yeah. isn't. Does this feel he, like a very faux character? <laughs> I, maybe I relate a little. Yes, um, <laughs> but that's probably why I love you, though. Cause... Yeah, it's just a dude who wants to. Ultimately, at the end of the day, he just wants to be left alone. And, yeah. and they won't mm-hmm. let him be that. Exactly. And, and uh, yes, I, there is part of me that, that absolutely relates to it. And I find it, I find, yeah, I think Rollins isn't necessarily an exceptional actor, but given the right, per, the right 
parameters within which he he acts i think he can be quite good and i think he's really good in this yes because he has the physicality he the fact that he's a little bit older now and he's a little bit beefier not like he's he's fat or anything but he's just middle-aged right like his body's starting to sag a little bit and he just has that world weariness that rollins himself has earned do what grizzle yeah rising Um, <laughs> hey, you really are grizzled. Yeah, it's authentic yeah. frontier gibberish. And, <laughs> yeah, he's he is an absolute delight in this movie. I do think that the reveal of who he is and all that stuff, I'm yeah. like, yeah, fine, it it, it works well enough. I kind of at the end of the day don't care. It's just that I love his character so much that I'll follow this movie wherever it goes if he continues to be that character. And when I heard that right. they're shooting a sequel to this movie oh. entitled She Never Died, in in which uh, Henry Rollins meets another immortal, I couldn't have been more excited because it means I get more of him playing him. this <laughs> this character. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like. I don't think it's a great movie as a whole. I just think it's one of the best vehicles that ever came along for Henry Rollins, who I like a great deal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And I'd be down with seeing more of him. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, any, any, any further thoughts on this? Overall, I would recommend it. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Um, just, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a whole part of this, uh, Jamie. Uh, and, all right, fine, let's do it, Jamie. <laughs> enough screwing around. Uh, our rating scale is one to five stars. Half stars are allowed, not quarter stars, because we are not monsters. Jamie, what would you rate? He never died. I'd say three point five. Uh, okay, all right, Vanessa. How about you? Where do you come down on this? 3.5. All right. It's uh, it, it's uh, unanimous. I it's would also. to that East German judge. <laughs> no, I, I'm, in the, I'm in the exact same boat. I think, I think the movie as a whole would be a three-star film if it weren't for Henry Rollins. Who, exactly. Who makes it almost a four-star movie, but it ain't quite that good. It's just yeah. if you are a fan of Henry Rollins or you just like a character that will manhandle his enemies in the most mm-hmm. tired possible way, then you should watch He Never Died. Um, yeah, you just said everything that was in my head. Except for that manhandling enemies tiredly. I didn't think that part, but... He wasn't quite at the Danny Glover, I'm getting too old for this shit phase, but... <laughs> but yeah, but it's totally that. Like, he is... He, it, it is kind of that. <laughs> he, it, he is too old for this shit by a millennia. Exactly. And like at, at a certain point, he's just like, why won't you let me die? Why won't you just let me be? Yeah. I mean, just in this, this is, this sucks. Yeah. And yeah, it's it, like, it, it's a great character. It's a, it's a great performance from Rollins. I, again, I couldn't recommend this enough if you are of that, that mindset. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's, let's put a, a wrap on that. And we turn now, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's main film, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. And now our feature presentation. 
warning. This motion picture is one of the most violent films ever made. There are 21 scenes of puppet violence and sadistic cruelty graphically shown. The content and subject matter may be upsetting for those under 18, those with weak hearts, and those of delicate nature. This cellar workshop is where André Toulon manufactured puppets. It is unclear how many of these puppets were made, though 60 or so of them are expected to be in Postville by tomorrow for the auction. That's not mine. I don't really know how that got here. Maybe it walked. Hello. Jesus. Well, you definitely seem like a toy that a maniac would make. What the... Why would anybody create a Nazi puppet? They're little, they're fast. Anne Frank was hiding in her attic, puppet could find her. All right, our final film of the evening is Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, from this very year, the year of our Lord, 2018. It is directed by Sonny Laguna and Tommy, either Wickland or Vickland, um, who is best known for maybe the movie Wither, uh, which is a, a, a semi-interesting Evil Dead ripoff, um, at any rate. It is uh, written by S. Craig Zoller, uh, who is the guy who wrote Bone Tomahawk and Brawl in Cell Block 99, which is the reason this movie feels a little bit different than just another one of them Puppet Master movies. By the way, this is number 13 in the Puppet Master series. Uh, Are you fucking kidding me? I am not kidding you. Uh, no, it is uh, one of the longest running franchises, if not the Longest, not longest running, but uh, highest number. Yeah, it it is uh, littered with with faces, you know. Uh, Thomas Lennon stars. He of, geez, the state and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Michael Paré from Streets of Fire. And that's all you need to know about him. Uh, Charlene Yee um, from, you know, a lot of the Judd Apatow films. Udo Kier, as if you need to... Yeah. Introduce Udo Kier. Yeah. <laughs> He's the weirdo European dude that shows up in everything. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Barbara Crampton uh, mm-hmm. shows up in this film. Jenny Pelliker plays Ashley. Um, I mean, geez, it's Skeeta Jenkins is Cuddly Bear. Uh, that is just an awesome name, too. Yeah, yeah. And... It, it basically it's Skeeta a to Jenkins, not Cuddly Bear, but Cuddly Bear is fun. Cuddly Bear is also quite <laughs> good, but yeah, I mean it's basically a bunch of faces you'll probably recognize if you've ever watched movies before. Um, you know, like Matthias Hughes uh, is in it from that Dolph Lundgren movie "I Come in Peace" and Star Trek VI. <laughs> <laughs> and all kinds of crazy shit. But anyway, so the the 
premise of this movie, the synopsis, according to IMDb, is all hell breaks loose when a strange force animates the puppets up for auction at a convention, setting them on a bloody, bloody killing spree that's moted, motivated by an evil as old as time, or at least the 1940s. You be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> but... So the, the basic premise of this movie, uh, Andre Toulon, as played by Udo Kier, um, has set in motion uh, this, this convention that will allow all these Nazi puppets to be reassembled so that they can go on a rampage and kill black people and lesbians and uh, what else? Jews. Interracial couples. Interracial couples. Basically anything that a Nazi would be against, these puppets are also against. Um, Vanessa, I couldn't be more curious. How how did you enjoy Puppet Master The Littlest Reich? A movie I would point out. You asked me, do I really have to watch this? <laughs> yes, I did say that. I did say that. Um, I should point out. I had never seen any of the Puppet Master movies until now because I kind of don't care about killer puppets. <laughs> I just, I, I think that's why when the, like the first one came out, I was like, I don't care. And so I never saw any of the others. And I, all of a sudden I had no idea there were this many movies. I thought there might've been like six tops. It's just outrageous to me. I don't know. I don't get. I don't get killer puppets. I just don't get killer puppets. I, I'm right there with you. I don't know that I've seen. I think I've seen the original Puppet Master and this one. I just. I, but all of that said, this has and this is so much better than I thought it was going to be. I will. It doesn't mean it's a great movie, <laughs> but it is so much better than I thought it was going to be. And I did enjoy it because I think largely the cast. That's what it has going for it. I mean, you start out the movie with Udo Kier. Okay, I'm on board. I'll tell you that now. Even though he's not in it you know, very long, but still. Okay, sure. You got my attention. You know, it, it, the story, you know, it's, it's, it's a decent enough story. It doesn't feel too, I mean, and it, it knows what it is, which I appreciate that. I'm like, you know, that this is not, there's a, there's a certain humor here and I don't know though. It just, some of the. Some of the some of the things where I'm like, why? Okay, with like the death with the pregnant woman, I'm like, I, I don't know. That just kind of made it kind of. I think that was kind of at that point where we'd seen a certain number of kills right in a row, and then all of a sudden it hit to that point, and it's it's not thought I'm squeamish or anything but it was just like oh really come on I just I I don't know I just kind of gave up at that point to some extent and I it, it, it didn't really pull me in as much as I wanted to pull me in but of course I didn't expect it to pull me in you know I don't know I just I, I'm not a killer puppet person 
Yeah, I, yeah, I I get it. I just I can't get, get into movies like that. Right. All right. Uh, Jamie, uh, Van- <laughs> Vanessa says, uh, "Up its butt with a coconut." But but I will say before we go on, I will say I did appreciate that when it came to ass kicking time in this, that the women could completely fucking hold their own, and were just as comfortable with the firearms and and everything. So that was that was a definite plus. I give it plus for that. All right. Uh, Jamie, what about you? What uh, What did you think about the Littlest Reich? Well, I thought, for one, Barbara Crampton is the most adorable cop slash tour guide ever. I thought it was so cute. <laughs> that tour and scene where she's like, all right, everybody start taking this shit seriously. Yeah, I thought I was know. very funny. I want to go on a tour with her. <laughs> she was really good at doing the tour. Like, I... Yeah. I she was really good at that. Like I bought that whole scene. I believed every bit of it. So anyway, I don't have a big history with these films. I've seen the first one. Um, I've seen this one. Um, I may have randomly seen one here or there, but if I did, it wasn't necessarily on purpose. I, I feel like I have, but uh, whatever. I mean, I've never been, I take them or leave them. I really don't care. Like, you know, puppet movies for me are just, I don't find them scary. So I didn't go for that. And a lot of times the humor is just not good. Like it's just not funny, not well done. This film, however, I think was fucking hilarious. Like I had such a great time with this. I think the cast was phenomenal. I think some of the jokes were really good. I just, you know, even though it's, they're going for a lot of them were low hanging fruit. I don't think that makes it any less funny when you grab a Nazi puppet and toss it into an oven. I yeah. thought, and it, you know, followed with the, see how you like it, you know, <laughs> right. I, I was like, aha, that's funny. You know, I, on the other hand was, or, or you know, on the other hand versus <laughs> Vanessa, when we got to the fetus scene, I was practically on my feet. I love that so much. Like, <laughs> I was just like, yes! You know, but, I mean, that's really no surprise because me and killing kids, it's, you know, goes hand in hand, you know? Oh, I'm Everyone usually all that. on board with killing kids. <laughs> I'm totally... Are you kidding? <laughs> the amount of abortion and everything I talked about in a couple episodes of VD Clinic <laughs> yeah. and other kinds of child's infant sacrifice like yeah i'm all on board but i don't know just to me it's right up there with one of my favorite scenes from that movie that zombie movie trend 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 shit came out a bunch of years ago anyway the there was a like a fetus punching like where the the zombie just punched through this woman's oh, belly and dragged uh, the fetus out. A t- oh. something automaton yeah trend uh, automaton transfusion that's it um i love that scene like i was just like woo you know i mean i don't know what it is about that but like that to me the killing of fetuses is always enjoyable (laughs) that sounds really terrible someone's gonna isolate that and i'm gonna be in a whole lot of trouble (laughs) but for whatever reason i just get a lot of i get a kick out of that but it's I love how bloody it was. I love how gory it was. I love how just fun it was. I was not expecting it to be this good because historically I don't think they're that good. You know, I just don't 
think they that the humor always lands. I don't think it's all that funny, but or at least in what little experience I have with them, which is why I never really continued. But this one I think was pretty brilliant in in a lot of ways, and I have I, I was really excited to see a lot of people feel the same way. And Puppet Master movie, there was another one that came out like in 2016. No one talked about that movie. You know, the Puppet Master films have always been like a niche thing. You've always had the Puppet Master fans who keep them going and who love them. And they'll, you know, they know about them amongst themselves. But it's never been something that, why, you know, has been widely discussed on podcasts, you know, just as a rule. And there have been Puppet Master films coming out over the years and no one talks about them. They just, they're out there. But you'll never hear the vast majority of people like us, like regular podcasters, talking about them. This one, on the other hand, has got people talking. And I think there's a reason for that. You know, I think that there's a quality level to this one that no one really saw coming. And I really appreciate that. Well, I, you know, yeah. Yeah, like I was saying, I mean, I completely didn't expect it to be as good as it was. And part of that... (laughs) right and especially because like here i was thinking even it was like oh the sixth seventh in a series you're expecting anything and and, and lo and behold it's what 13th you said but you expect them to be (laughs) shit at that point totally but the fact is the writing was the writing was pretty good like i mean it was it was surprisingly it was you know it was it was definitely decent but there were, you know, there were a few points where the jokes were still like, okay, that's just calling for a groan or almost calling for a groan. And that, yeah, that's going to happen, especially when you're you're in a film that that's kind of, I mean, the humor is really what they're there for more than the humor yeah. and the gross out, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to hit those. But I, I think that this film hit on a level kind of like the uh, when Curse of Chucky came out. Mm-hmm. And people weren't after Bride and after after Seed uh, Seed, where it had gone in a completely comedic direction. Well, it was fucking camp, just plain um, and simple. Yeah, seed. I mean, hell, John Waters was in it, so you yeah. Know, um, you know, after it took that direction, no one saw Curse of Chucky coming. Like, no yeah. one, no one would have expected it to take to take that direction. And when it did, it got everyone fired up and it got everyone talking again. I kind of feel like the same thing is happening here. Like, I don't think anyone necessarily... Now, maybe people who have been Puppet Master fans the entire time and who, like, are all into the series, maybe they're not so surprised. Maybe things have happened in the in the last couple movies that I don't know about that, you know, would make that would explain this away. I kind of doubt it, though, because I haven't seen anyone talking about those movies and people are talking about this one. So I kind right. of feel like there's a reason for that. But I'm fully prepared for some, you know, big giant puppet master fan to come out and call call me out on it, you know, and, and I'll be okay with that because I'm treading into your territory here. But what I'm telling you is, you know, be gentle because I'm telling you I liked it. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I had a lot of fun with it. We laughed a lot, a lot. And like, you know, down in the gut belly laughs. And it was really fun. So I, yeah, I had a really good time. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly there with you guys. I felt like uh, it, it was 
certainly better than what you would expect out of something called Puppet Master, the Littlest Reich. Um, exactly. But the cast is, is is really solid. There's a there are for as many jokes that don't land, there are just as many that do, and and that is thanks to having a good cast like Barbara Crampton and Thomas Lennon mm-hmm. and Charlene Yee and you know people that are naturally funny. Um, the other thing I really liked about this, and, and this is something, again, not to dip into cultural waters too much, but in an age where, you know, the president of the fucking United States is talking about how there are some very nice people on the Nazi uh-huh. side of things, yeah. it was nice to see Nazis being totally reviled of like, yeah, they're yeah. terrible, everybody. They hate <laughs> everything that, you know freedom stands for that like you know just what jamie was saying earlier of like this notion of yeah everybody can just lead the lives that they want and they're free to do so and that is very (laughs) anti-nazi like let's not muddy those waters too much nazis are shitheads and the fact that this movie leans into oh no these aren't just killer puppets they're killer nazi puppets and they are after And like you said, they're after like lesbians and interracial couples and Jews and stuff like that. And you're like, oh yeah, like it's a, it's one of those things that happens a lot of times in later films. Uh, something like the Hellraiser movies or the Elm Street movies or something like that, where the characters, the heroes of the film, in quotes, are no longer really the hero of the film. You're there to see Freddy and you want to see him hack people up. And I think what this movie gets right is making these awful Nazi puppets the bad guys. That you're not rooting for them to murder a bunch of people. Like, the kills are really gratuitous and and over-the-top and gory and stuff like that. And the kills are fun to see. As long as they stay away from your main characters. Right. But, but yeah, I wanted to see Thomas So, yeah, you can kill all the fodder you want, but I love my main guy, so I want him to be the hero. Yeah, there was actually a character in this, uh, the the guy, you know, his buddy who has the Star of David. Mm. That character, I was... Yeah, yeah, his boss. I was like, I don't I like this guy. I don't want to see him go down. Like yeah. he's kind yeah. of he's kind of an asshole, but he's sort of a funny asshole. And yeah. and well, I, you can tell he has a good heart, you know, well, at, at yeah, part of it. Exactly. Yeah, and and so I yeah, I thought this movie did so much right for again being the 13th puppet master movie where you're like this should be immediately forgettable and instead uh, oh, we all it has no right to be this good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really it, it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't. Or no yeah. right. And you're right about nice. You're right about the the whole Nazi thing. Like there was a t- Nazis have always been easy pickings like for and, and the acceptable bad guy for like video games, you know, if you want to kill something in your video game, make it a Nazi. You know, and and it's okay. And and I think there's a reason for that. It's because they're kind of detestable people. Not kind of. They are detestable people. They did some really horrible things. No one really, you know, in a fictional sense, no one kind of cares what you do to them. And but I like the fact that that this film had the irreverent humor that it had and it had the, you know, it just went for it, you know. It's like these are Nazi puppets. Let's take them down. And I, I, I don't know. It was that was super fun. I like that. All right. Well, uh, I think the only way to 
capitalize on this conversation is to rate this film unless anyone has another point they would like to make about puppet master the littlest reich <laughs> and I, also i just think that's an adorable title i don't know <laughs> it it's very funny and it, and it it also gets i think the the tone of this movie just right of yes. like yes we are totally dealing with nazi puppets here and the movie that and could we realize how ridiculous this is right it's it's totally ridiculous but there is a way to play this so that it's it's ridiculous but still compelling and watchable and somehow the movie makes that work and and i think to its credit you know it's what we've been saying all, all along this should not be a good movie and yet it is so um or better than expected for sure so vanessa since you were the one who did want to watch this in the first place <laughs> On a scale of one to five stars, half stars allowed, no quarter stars, don't be ridiculous. Um, what would what would you rate Puppet Master the Littlest Reich? Um Come back to me. I'm still I'm I'm going back and forth because right. I know you won't let me have a point. I right. You got uh, you know I know you won't let me do a quarter point. Uh, come back to me. All right, all right. Jamie, <laughs> how about you? Uh, I'm pretty sure when we watched this, I gave this a four, and uh, I'll stick with that. Um, I think that's where I landed with it, and I think I think that's pretty right. As much la- as many laughs as I got out of it, and as much as I love just seeing the gore, um, yeah. I mean, I like my smart horror. I do. I love it. As a matter of fact, but there are times when you just Need to see a little puppet sawing somebody's head off, which was hilarious. Yeah, so the, yeah, them them little uh, uh, helicopter puppets were bad news. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm I'm gonna say like particularly. I let me say this just to explain this rating. When we decided we were going to watch this movie, it was sort of a game time decision. It hit VOD, and it was also available for $0.99 cents to own when I picked this up. So I paid $1.07, tax included, for this movie. And I can now watch it anytime I want. So that also colors my opinion of it a little bit. Because it was such an incredible deal. It was a really pleasant <laughs> surprise. And also, I, I'm a big Thomas Lennon fan, and I thought he was very too. funny in this. Um, yeah, I think I think four stars is where I land on it as well. It's it, it's one of those caveats of like, yes, this is a four-star movie, but it's four stars because it's a puppet master film that is probably... I haven't seen, you know, 11 other puppet master movies. Uh, so... It's probably the best one, in my opinion, even though I haven't seen a bunch of them. But I have a feeling that most of them aren't this clever and certainly don't have this cast. So, I don't know. I feel like I'm grading on a curve. Like, it's four stars with the wind to its back. (laughs) Also, he is the perfect hero, don't you think? I think think that Thomas Lennon plays the... He was just perfect for that role yeah he's he's very I love funny. that guy anyway but 
Uh, Plus, he's on Match Game a lot, and that's fun. I, I've never seen that. Not the oh, new one. Alec anyway. Baldwin hosted. It's great. I DVR that shit. It's very fun. Fancy person with your DVR. <laughs> uh, all right. We're back to you, Vanessa. The, the time has come. So, yeah, because I can't give a quarter star, I'm going to give it a three. I, yeah, 3.5 is, is too high for me, but um, it's just, it's still, does it's still a puppet movie. <laughs> I mean, and I just, I don't know if I'd ever watch it again. I really don't. Even if I had it to, you know, had gotten your good deal or whatever. Yeah. All right, well. I don't know. It was just, I enjoyed it as much as I did because, of the the cast and and the writing, you know, was pretty good. I mean, decent, decent, and yeah, I think three point five is just too much for it. But I can't. You you won't let me do my quarter stars. Yeah. Sorry, I have to be so difficult. But no, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, I so I, 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 I definitely think this is a movie that I if you're a fan of like comparing it to this is, is overselling the movie. But if you're a fan of that kind of mid to late eighties, Stuart Gordon kind of stuff where it's, it's kind of silly and over the top, but there's, Mm -hmm. there's a fair amount of gore that goes along with it all. Also Barbara Crampton. Also Barbara Crampton. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think if you like that kind of stuff, like those kind of gory horror movies that had a real campy sense of humor about themselves, I think it falls squarely into that. Like you could do a lot worse than watching Puppet Master and then Reanimator back to back. Like finish with Reanimator. That's the better film by every measuring stick. But it's it's that kind of movie. Um, and sure. and I I enjoyed it on that level. So. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, we are going to do one final break and then get the hell out of here. Uh, we'll be right back. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and David as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on iTunes, and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter, at VDClinicPod, or email them at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. Dot com. They're ready to cure what ails you. And still, they just might be contagious. Get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. All right, folks. Uh, that is episode 129 of Devour the Podcast. Uh, episode 130 will be arriving next month, which is September of uh, 2018. Um, where we will be doing a film based on um, your selection. Like, we still have a list of movies that we're drawing from. And the list is actually at the point now where they're almost all good movies. So I'm I'm very hey. excited about this. 
so we'll be doing that on the next Morbid Monday, which uh, actually we'll have already selected it by the time you hear this, by the time this episode lands. Um, so yeah, check it out. Uh, Morbid Mondays uh, happen every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern on uh, the YouTube channel for Legion Podcasts. Um, also, if you are listening to uh, Devour the Podcast and you are a subscriber to Devour the Podcast, you will have noticed that there is a show called Hero Hero Go Show that I do on the side that now slides into the Devour the Podcast feed. Um, so, you know, if you enjoy it, let me know. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash devour the podcast. And uh, if you want to find me on the Twitter, it's at Legion Podcasts. And I actually pay attention to that now. So if you message me on <laughs> on the Twitter, I'll, I'll see it. Um, for a long time, I didn't. I was really anti-Twitter. And then I pruned the follows to the point where no one I follow pisses me off. And also fills up the, the feed with garbage. So I've, I've reached a very good place with Twitter now. Um, surprisingly, I know that Twitter is a cesspool of hive and villainy, uh, or a hive of uh, scum and villainy, but I don't see that because it, as soon as somebody acts like an asshole, I immediately mute them and just let them scream into the void. Um, so yeah. Uh, what about you guys? What, uh, what you got coming up? What you want to plug? Where can people find you if they want to talk to you? That kind of stuff. I uh, just had a brand new episode of the ABCs of Hidden Horror come out. That's episode R, where we talk about the roost and the resurrected and uh, another one. <laughs> I don't remember what the – oh, the ruins. And the funny thing about that episode is that two of those movies are very Lovecraftian. One of them is an actual – direct adaptation and the episode purely by accident purely by coincidence was released on hp lovecraft's birthday so ah that was just kind of a happy accident very funny but anyway um so that just came out and it's fun it also holds the distinction of being the very first episode in which one of the co-hosts actively hates a choice made by one of the co-hosts and it's very funny. <laughs> it's uh, it just is uh, probably well, one of my favorite discussions we've ever had. What were the three movies again? The Ruins, uh, the Roost, the, and what? And the Resurrected. Okay. All right. I'm trying to think which one of those got hated. It it wasn't the Ruins. No. <laughs> the Resurrected. It, the Roost. No, it was the Roost. <laughs> Um, I, I get no, that. I understand. That. Is awesome, but uh, I mean, it's gooey and mm-hmm. Chris Sarandon talking with an, an a plant in his mouth. Um, <laughs> it's good stuff. Oh, uh, but- speaking of, it, let me just sidetrack for a second. Speaking of stupid shit in people's mouths, um, <laughs> I watched Pumpkinhead again recently, mm-hmm. and the fake teeth that Lance Henriksen is wearing in that movie is hysterical. It, it like oh, there are a couple Daddy? of things there are a couple of things about that movie that sap it of any kind of real like gravitas and that's one of them where you're just like oh my god that is just it it, it looks like he got those at at one of those uh party supply stores or something they're terrible <laughs> you mr harley heard you talking to my grandpa <laughs> I don't know why that line has always cracked me up. It's, I don't know why. Um, 
Anyway, um, uh, so episode art. Yeah, so that's the thing. That's out. Um, check it out. It's fun. Other than that, uh, Married with Children drops every Wednesday. Also, just uh, Brian and I both guessed on, guested on an episode of Just the Movies where we talked about Extinction, the new Netflix film, the alien invasion yeah. film uh, that has the kid from Happy Death Day, which was a fun thing because I really liked him. Also, Michael Pena is the star, but, you know, so there's that. So here's talk about that. And I feel like there's something that I'm missing, but I can't quite grasp it. Oh, Oh, yeah. Uh, tonight I recorded a new episode of Devour the Podcast. That's what the other thing is. <laughs> you can hear that here right now, like you're doing. You if you're probably listening to the already show. have. Yeah. <laughs> if you've made it this far, you've you've heard 98% of it. So, All right. Enough shocking self-reference. Um, this episode's been eaten up with it. Vanessa, how about yourself? I guested, and that will be out already by the time this episode comes out. Um, I guested on the Psycho Semanticast with Darren, and we talked Black Klansmen. That was interesting. Um, I have a, I, 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 I talked a lot about the KKK. I went onto a, a deep dive, <laughs> like down a rabbit hole, researching the KKK. It was, yeah. Anyway, um, but. Um, the seeing a current... KKK rally as a kid, like just not being part of one, um, <laughs> but driving down the street mm-hmm. and yeah. passing by one, yeah, is possibly the most single horrifying thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, they terrified me, mm-hmm. and so when like you see them in uh, films like Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and <laughs> to an extent, and was it? Was it Django where they? Yeah, Django. Yeah. Um, like it just kind of brings that back. <laughs> to me, that is some scary shit. They're they were really. I mean, now they just kind of seem goofy. Like I I see I see them now and they're just kind of like angry old rednecks. Like they're just <laughs> goofy and silly. But when I was a kid, they were really scary to me. Yeah. Well. Yeah. They're exactly. And then the. Current VD episode is going to be out soon, hopefully. I've had to do some uh, computer repair, to, um, so I've got to finish editing that episode. But that's going to be our episode that's Death to Smoochie and Orgasmo. <laughs> Speaking of wow. something really mindless. <laughs> We're skipping a book this month in order to cover movies like Orgasmo. <laughs> I... The the theme song for Erigasmo, the Now You're a Man is, is oh, we sing on the episode. Oh, that is one of my favorite things. I like the movie as a whole is is fine. Like there's yeah. there are some yeah. highs and lows with it, but right. that what makes a man is oh yeah. so <laughs> fucking funny. Like they they just nail that kind of testosterone rock mm-hmm. so well. Oh sure. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I already started recording a guest episode, Halloween episode for, uh, Scream Queens. I did that yesterday. And then I'm recording a guest spot on Legion After Dark coming up in a couple of days. So. Oh, wow. Mm, I will leave that to your imagination. Sexy. Um, mm. 
That Legion After Dark is a good show, by the way, if folks aren't listening to that. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of end with that, that, uh, hey, you should go over to legionpodcasts.com uh, if you enjoyed listening to this. Or even if you didn't, there are other shows that don't uh, sound like this one. Um, but you got, <laughs> uh, like, like you said, the VD Clinic and the uh, Psycho Semanicast. You got your Friday the 13th that uh, Andrew Huff shamelessly plugged. Uh, or was that Maddie? I no, think that it might Maddie. it was Maddie who did that. Which, by the way, I'll give this a little tease. Um, shortly after you hear this, the LegionPodcast.com um, Patreon page will be up. And uh, starting September 1st, we're going to be um, doing a Patreon thing to help, you know, offset some server costs and, and whatnot. And um, the the first thing that listeners will get uh is at the it's a couple of bucks a month and you get two commentaries and the first commentary is one that i did with andrew and maddie on children of the corn that is uh, due to no fault of my own hysterical um (laughs) (laughs) andrew and maddie are, are very funny and and i got to tag along and it was great um so anyway, yeah, you you'll see if you go to legionpodcast.com, if you go to the uh Facebook page, all that stuff, you'll you'll see all that all that fun stuff there. So, um hey, thanks for listening everybody to Devour the Podcast episode 129. Um we're going to be back uh next month with uh episode 130. Did I already say what we're going to do next month? Yep. The nun? No. Um, no. Oh, no. I didn't I got sidetracked by the uh the <laughs> listener choice thing. We're going to do the nun. We're going to talk about the nun. The Wannaverse film, Yay! The Nun. Yay! We're making Jamie happy. Yes. You are, and someone <laughs> else finally used that term. <laughs> I, it's just crept into my psyche and, because of you. Yeah, it works. It actually works. I know it does, and it's where it belongs in everyone's psyche. Uh, but I do want, if yeah. anyone out there uses it, I want credit, though. <laughs> I'm not that benevolent. <laughs> The Jamie Sammons Wannaverse, is that how you want them to present it? <laughs> Wannaverse. Wannaverse as described Jamie by Jamie Sammons. <laughs> yeah. For Jamie Sammons. Now the world is gone. I'm just Wannaverse. <laughs> Wannaverse is the loneliest number. I can do this all night. Um, sure. but, but we shouldn't. Thanks again, everyone. Say goodnight, ladies. Goodnight, ladies. Good night, ladies. Goodbye. The boogeyman is real. And you found it. Now you tear your soul apart. The exhumation. The exhumation. The
devour the 